Quest Beyond. Carl, Ryan, and Sam review the new movies you may want to see and talk a little news along the way. Venture with them for The Quest Beyond. The Quest Beyond back again. Thanks for tuning in. Another episode here. We have a lot to discuss, but off the top, let's talk about some things that aren't going to be in the news segments, but some things to address. Number one, Wrath of Man. That's right. I did not forget about you, Wrath of Man. You are available. Premium rental now. You cannot lie to me anymore, Canada. You can't hold this movie from me. I'm going to watch it. Wrath of Man, Guy Ritchie, it's happening. And we will review it. I'm going to make sure we <laughs> review this movie once and for all. That's right, nobody. You got your time in the sun. It's Wrath of Man's coming back. Number two, Powerpuff sucks. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. The CW show that we've badmouthed the entire set of announcements and whatnot, they've admitted themselves. Yeah, this pilot sucked. We got to re- go back to the drawing board. <laughs> Music to my ears. I love to hear it. So excited for that. That's right. So we may never get Powerpuff at this point in time, and I'm okay with that. Number three, Kyle hit affiliate on Twitch. I did. So he, we, I guess, have alluded to it the last couple of times. He did a nice big seven-hour stream playing Arkham Knight as the Batman, Batfleck, Thank you. Skins. <laughs> And he made it all the seven hours. He got 50 followers. He made it to affiliate. He handed out a poster. And like I called, I won the poster. <laughs> the oh. one, not the one behind me. I get, oh, I keep doing that. We're not on video yet. Practice makes perfect, though. Yes. But yes, it's the nice flag in the ground one. Mm-hmm. And the fourth piece of news, the last piece. We have a guest today. That's right. And you guys will get to meet him here before we get there. I'm Ryan Starfire. Hey, I'm Sam McLennan. And I'm Affiliate Lugan17, a.k.a. Kyle. (laughs) Woo! And our guest for this episode, a Snyder fan himself, I would say, because he is the co-host of Batman v Superman and Justice League by the Minute. He's also an editor and social media at Screen Rant. Stephen M. Colbert is here. Hey, um, we also have an addiction and are launching Army of the Dead by the minute, <laughs> conveniently. Ooh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the newest member of the family uh, that we don't have time to <laughs> take care of properly. More kids than the two of you have combined on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I would like to state, exactly. though, I called MOS by the minute prior to its announcement. Yeah, these come up and it's kind of like, well... How do you say no after like once you once you start it's like I don't know it's um we'll we'll be done in like 2050. <laughs> By then there may be Zack Snyder's Justice League too. Oh no! I mean that's a great thing, but for. <laughs> The podcaster in me is like dying inside. There may also just be a reboot by that point in time. Who knows? <laughs> Warner um, Brothers will be owned by Disney. That's apparently that almost happened today. I heard a report about that. They made an offer back in 2016, so that could have happened too. Uh, Stephen, I don't know if you know this, but Kyle references BVS by the minute at least three times during the, a day, <laughs> and we get to hear about it pretty much all three of those times. Well, th- this is this is not a soapbox moment, but I, having Stephen on, I wanted to personally thank him because the year of 2020 was particularly stressful for me. My wife is a nurse and works in a hospital. 
and having BVS by the minute to listen to, I have to, I did not start from the get-go, but discovering that in the midst of the pandemic and having hours of content that led me into the, the announcement on May 20th, which I did celebrate last week. Thank you, Stephen, because it made a huge difference for me having something like that to follow along with for the journey that has led us to right now. So thank you very much. Well, awesome. We appreciate hearing that. I mean, it's very similar for us. Like it's the one of those things where it's like, well, we're talking about this all the time. Like we love talking about it in the first place. And so we just kind of record it and then to have people be like, hey, we love this too. It's like, awesome. We're just nerding out basically in front of a microphone. So well, there you go, guys. Yeah. Most instances that do this on a podcast, if they refer to another podcast, it's usually a superior podcast, and we are <laughs> the same boat as that. So go check out all of those by the minute podcasts. Much better than this current one that Stephen will never return to after he gets a dose of this. <laughs> hey, 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 we have two other Army of the Dead projects in the pipe. Not we have them. Netflix has them in the pipeline. <laughs> That is true. So and let's keep our fingers crossed for the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is timely. Yes, Army of the Dead will be the review today uh, once we get there. And we have a little bit of news to talk about along the way. And why not just get into that now? Because Kyle's got something to get off his chest. Well, some people ha live in a world of pure imagination, but some people may not... Because Kyle's got a lot to say about that with the Willy Wonka franchise right now. Apparently, they're stepping it back a few years. They're going young Willy Wonka. And maybe the one actor that works just as much as Pedro Pascal right now in Timothy Chalamet is going to be Willy Wonka. Kyle, you've been sitting on this. You put it in our group that you just, it's constant hints or just red faced emojis. What do you got to say? Yeah, just vintage angry tomato. No, I I don't understand. Now, I'm just a fan sitting watching these things kind of flood through the internet. Now, I to my knowledge, I can't remember how old Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is. I feel like we are at plus 50 years because I believe it was in the 70s. Yeah, I'm pretty you, sure. I, sh I should have looked this up ahead of time. 71, yeah, 71, 50 years. Happy Hanukkah. So that movie is beloved, I would say, it, for a vast majority of people. I mean, I know children who have probably never seen it, but we did a remake who is the king of remakes, Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Alice in Wonderland, just hits galore. And we were introduced to a choice of uh, Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka. And we were given this horrendously terrifying backstory with everyone's favorite Saruman as his dentist father. And it's probably some of the creepiest things Tim Burton's ever put on film. I don't like the dentist. I have a toothache right now and I don't want to go. <laughs> and like that stuff that's not a joke it's true okay. one molar super sensitive oh god but he just so you we have i i'm not saying gene wilder is superman or this un like you can't knock him off the pedestal of being willy wonka but who asked for this 
That's what I don't understand. This is Warner Brothers, right? They, I believe. I don't know. That's. that's Does it matter, really? Whoever is making this movie, MGM, is it you? Because I mean, you've made some bad decisions, and they might be over. But Timothy Chalamet is a great actor. I cannot take that away from him. He is clearly a good, or he's great at his profession. People it is been, definitely Warner Brothers, too. All right. Well, that answers some of my questions. But at the same time, it doesn't in that I know actors can do other things. They can, they can play other roles. They have some have range. Some don't. Some are Sarah Paulson. But <laughs> just, just. I really didn't like her in Glass. That's pretty much why I'm saying that. But. <laughs> she had such a small role she's like a leading woman now just straight just bullets like, flying everywhere from yeah that. whatever That's, we took shots at Anzal like two weeks ago in, wow, in, in footage we have seen nothing from him in West Side Story we took shots at him anyways so we're gonna take shots at everybody there is nothing in Timothy's performances that makes me feel, oh, this guy's going to be wacky and all over the place. The last thing that I want as a fan of those weird-ass books is another Willy Wonka who is this introvert because his dad abused him. We've seen that in the remake. That is mind-bendingly horrifying. Like, is this, this is a classic, I don't... I, I'm saying I, classic case. Yeah. It just feels like we have this IP. Like, this is... We're not going to talk about it, and I'm so mad we're not going to talk about it, but the Uncharted pictures that came out, this feels like what Sony is doing with our, everyone's favorite Spider-Man, Tom Hollander. I know that's not his name. Tom Hollander is actually a much older actor. But they're like, oh, he's, he's, he's the it thing we have. Let's throw him in a something. And at least Uncharted is a franchise. The last Willy Wonka movie, off the top of my head, was in 2005. Yeah. So, I too, I mean, the ki the kids that I know and I've worked with, I mean, my kids, they can't read. But th those books are not these classics that I feel like they used to be because kids don't read. So yeah, but, yeah, but they're, they're see, just not popping off the shelves. Like, is this just to sell books? Do you have a deal with Penguin or Random House or whoever the distribute? It doesn't make sense. I, I think it's one of those things where we obviously remember Willy Wonka. So we're going to take our kids to see Timothy Chalamet, you know, skip along. Building the chocolate factory. So like, but so, like, yeah. use, let's use the 21, 2021 lens of movies. Oompa Loompas. That doesn't look really great for Willy Wonka. He's this white guy who shows up on this mysterious island and colonizes and takes these people and he may pay them, we don't know, and puts them in his factory and it's like, work for me. That looks really great in 2021 with, hmm, what's the studio that's really struggling right now with how they've treated BIPOC actors? Oh, it's Warner Brothers, now owned by Discovery. Like, it, I don't get it. I'm so confused by this. And I don't want this movie at all. I'm done now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Watch out, Sarah Paulson. Watch out, kids who can't read. They're all on the <laughs> chopping block right now for Kyle. Uh, uh, Steven, you want to jump in with anything following that? Um, 
I, I don't know that I'm as negative on it so much as just really apathetic. Um, it just feels very cynical. Um, it's not Warner Brothers, but I saw a tweet earlier from, uh, like I think it was a writer who, who said they had a meeting at MGM um, a few years ago where they walked in and MGM, the executive literally had IMDb open and he was just scrolling through it and saying, you want to reboot this one? You want to reboot this one? You want to reboot this one? And he's like, he's like, I'm pretty sure they didn't even, hadn't even seen half of them. And, um, and then like three other creatives jumped in on the thread and they're like, when was this? Cause that literally happened to me at MGM in whatever, like in 2017. And they're like, Oh, this meeting was in 2008. Wow. <laughs> and they're like, Oh yeah, no, in 2012 I went there and they just gave me a book full of individual sheets <laughs> with um, properties they owned on it and said, here, pick a handful and to do pitches for reboots on. And then, Someone else, yeah, there's like, there's like so many people jumped in, and someone else, this is so, such a tangent, but um, someone else was like, they called me in to um, talk specifically about rebooting this one property. Um, it was like this, the, the executive was like really hell bent on rebooting it, and I was like, had you ever seen this property even? And they're like, no, I haven't. And they're like, okay, so no. <laughs> um, and like, shocker, that property never got developed there. Um, and so, so I said all that to say, this feels very much like like that where they're kind of like well the dc thing is like causing problems and uh you know this other stuff is like you know we're making really cool stuff with like dennis or uh, denis villeneuve and um but uh but we can't monetize that because like nobody wants to see his 300 billion dollar art house movies um and uh um so they're like, well, what what IP do we have? Well, we haven't done a Willy Wonka in a while. Like that's just what, and and and, and then casting Chalamet is like the, the trifecta of, like, lack of creativity. It's just like the <laughs> fill in the blank. What movie? Do you, what what soulless reboot can you come up with in twenty twenty one? Um, and uh, he's talented, I guess. And I and the Willy Wonka story could be interesting, although they do need to navigate some problematic areas. Um, but um. Like I'm hardly like it doesn't. I even forgot that it had been a thing that was announced because it, it's so like why who's hyped for that who sees that news and it's like yes mark it on my calendar. Everybody who wanted call me by your name too and then googled Army <laughs> Hammer. They're like we're getting something else. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to see that number two. I guess. Um, but yes, I like how Stephen jumps in and varies the lead with. Now I'm not going to be so negative about this, and then he just calls it a lack of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but I mean, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm less offended by it than I am just like, I guess I'm offended at how uninspired I sure, am by yeah. it. But like, the movie itself doesn't necessarily bother me as much. <laughs> and yeah, that story is perfect. That half the movies that are greenlit seem to be that of. Let's just show them a catalog of what we own and see what they want to make. It's yeah. Which ones have you actually seen? You can make one off that, right? Uh, yeah. Sam, are you negative at all towards this casting news? So I understand where the the other guys are coming from. Let me be just like a glimmer of hope. Okay, we haven't mentioned that the movie is going to be directed by Paul King, who has famously uh, done the past two Paddington movies, which are. Beloved amongst film Twitter, um, the number one movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Apparently, yes. right? Too. Apparently, yeah. so um, all that to say, it should differ in tone from what we've seen, especially from Tim Burton. Obviously, Tim Burton's Willy Wonka 
is going to be creepy as hell for obvious reasons. Um, but I think with Paul King at the helm, we're going to get something I'm assuming like wholesome and like heartwarming and I don't know, other adjectives like that. So, I mean, <laughs> and a Hugh Grant cameo. Hey, hey, hey. you know, put Hugh Grant in anything. I'm there. So like, I think if it goes for something different in, around that kind of angle, you know, we could have something cool here. And I mean, who, who doesn't want a Timothy Chalamet, you know, shaped chocolate bar? this coming next Halloween or whatever. I will say one positive. He has the hair for it. Like you need wild hair. He's got the hair top hat. And I'm assuming, because I don't think in the, the, the Tim Burton one, there was really any serious musical numbers, especially with Johnny Depp. Like I think the Oompa Loompas had a song. Not with him. The Oompa Loompas are like, they rap and stuff. They did something. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Very 2005. But I think with this, if I don't know, maybe they'll try and emulate what, uh, what they did with the original with Gene Wilder. Maybe he'll have a tune to sing. So Chicken anyway, gets its head cut off in the hallway of terror. Listen, I, I, so I love the original and if they can give us something like that's heartwarming, but then for some reason, give us like that, that boat ride tunnel scene where it's like terrifying. Well, let's, let's sprinkle in a little bit of that, you know, but uh, I'm, I'm okay with this, but I wouldn't be surprised if I get burned. I I looked it up very briefly just out of curiosity. It's just called Wonka. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that speaks to the one word type, like Joker worked. What if Joker. we did Wonka? Logan. And this, like, one, okay, I, I will try to um, summon some of Sam's glimmer of hope. I would be okay with this more so if it is something like a period piece. Like, we're going to get into another potential what's going to happen with another news topic, and maybe I'm wasting my segue. But there's been talks of, like, you can only, you can't do something in the modern era. It Like, it just doesn't work. And if they make it more of a period piece, I think a lot of that stuff from the book still works. Like, having, I mean, obviously there is circumstances where there are, like, generational filled households but more and more of that makes less sense so if it if they make it something like that like i know at least in the circles that i've been in a lot of people want that to happen for james bond which is he doesn't work in 2015 like that scene with the with monica bellucci inspector really weird in the modern i mean i God, I hope they do not go back to the way that they treated women in the movies in the Sean and Roger era. But like the spyness of those movies and the espionage, I should say, and just the style in general, it works so much better for James Bond when his gadgets are fun and they're not my iPhone 12 does all of the things that your wristwatch does. So like if they put Willy Wonka... Wonka, whatever the hell. <laughs> I guess it's called Wonka currently. If it's an origin story in a in a time period that feels like it's a long time ago, not like the 90s or something like that, like that could be good. But again, with what Steven shared, like hopefully this is something where somebody had an idea and it wasn't, you want to make this? So I guess we'll see. Ryan, are you happy about this at all? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, to really, I guess, show our Canadian colors on here, everyone but Steven, I'm going to quote Jack Armstrong, if you know him from the Toronto Raptors, he's an announcer, take your glimmer of hope and get that garbage out of here. Yeah, this is going to be absolutely trash. It's not going to be good. <laughs> Timothy, Timothy Chalamet is the only good thing about this, just because he's a quality actor. I got a feeling they're backing up the money truck onto his lawn right now, and that's probably the only reason he's attached to this. It seems like a weird choice to say yes to because I can't see a lot of upside to making this movie. The first one, already beloved. The second one, or the remake, I guess, sort of was liked, but then everyone eventually started trashing on it and it became garbage. That's what's going to happen to this one. If somebody likes this one at the start, the internet's going to bury that person and all you're going to hear is negativity. I just had another bad idea. Oh, please share. <laughs> this movie's. G- I figured out. Oh, oh go okay. Ahead. My idea, and I don't. If Steve, this movie's gonna have his like budding friendship with Slugworth. I'd be willing to bet money that's gonna happen. Like it's to use a DC analogy, because why not? This is gonna be like not Smallville, but young Clark and Lex when they were friends, and you have like. It's the X Men First Class. Exactly. And the X-Men are Oompa Loompas. <laughs> uh, um, maybe, I liked what you said about the the period piece just by, like, not because that makes me like the movie, but it feels a little bit more, there's some a little bit more there. Um, one twist they could make on it is, um, that would fix a few issues, is make Willy Wonka the villain. Um, make it like a horror movie, or a, like a, um, or maybe not outright horror, but make him a... Um, there's a, there's a context you could easily slip him into that is kind of terrifying. Um, so, and then and then you incorporate, like, you just be like, oh, yeah, no, the Oompa Loompas are slaves. Like, he's a wretched, evil, wicked man, and these kids need to stop him. And, like, that's the story. How about this? How about <laughs> Willy Wonka's the one who put Grandpa Joe in the bed, made him bedridden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's breaking legs like in yeah. The Irishman. Yeah, he owed me money. <laughs> I so pretty much we're just going back to Tim Burton and Johnny Depp with, <laughs> with Sweeney Todd, except yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonka. Minus I, I Alan Rickman. Part of, part of what feels a little bit more bankrupt about this um, is it actually reminds me of where Johnny Depp was in his career when he got this role. Feel it's He was way older, but it feels very similar to where Timothy Chalamet is, where they, they kind of reached that point with Depp where it was like, oh, just give him all the quirky characters. That's just like his thing. And it was like, okay, maybe maybe about 10% of the quirky characters he was getting. Um, and not that Chalamet has been doing like Jack Sparrow and you know all that stuff, but he he is kind of getting to that point where he's like the default um, who was it? He's it's the quiet like the Idris Elba or the That's what he does. Or the whatever where just like everyone recommends them for everything sure, and he's yeah. slowly becoming that person, which is guarantees most of what he's suggested for is gonna be a bad suggestion. Um and so yeah, so it feels very much like that, like, well let's just do this quirky movie and use Johnny Depp ten years ago is like that's what this feels yeah. like today. <laughs> Alright, well we've gone quite long on this one. We've talked <laughs> quite a bit about this Wonka property that will exist in the future but we can move on from that. We've had a lot of talk pop up within it about, you know, DC now owned by Discovery. We had the story of MGM, well, and James Bond a lot. That all sort of ties together because MGM has been bought. And the one person 
that we didn't talk about how they run their ship in the, I guess, sort of, uh, let's call them... Industry disc- professionals? No, discrepancies about how oh. they run their factories and whatnot. Jeff Bezos coughed up $8.45 billion, and Amazon is now going to buy MGM. And that includes brands like, of course, James Bond that we just mentioned. I think Legally Blonde's in there. If you're a Shark Tank fan, that's in there. <laughs> and I think there's a few other ones. Isn't Rocky? Rocky, yeah. Rocky, Rosie yeah, Reed, yeah, yeah. Stargate. Yeah. You say Stargate? Stargate. Stargate. I think yeah. Wizard of Oz was previously sold to. I don't know if it was Disney or someone else, but I did see that. Those ones they sold off a bunch of stuff real early. Oh, okay. And people missed out on that one. But nevertheless, Kyle, what do you think about this? It was Warner Brothers that bought Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind. Well, a Wizard well. of Oz was one of the planets in Space Jam. Oh, two. nice. In nice, the nice. trailer, which Ryan has not seen. Ryan doesn't watch trailers for context, Stephen, so he would not have seen that. Okay. But uh, <laughs> it's. I think this is clever because MGM was going to be one of the studios that was going to be swallowed up by somebody else. Just on library alone, I remember reading in one of the announcements today that their library of what they have now is at the same level as Disney Plus and what HBO Max, which apparently may be coming internationally, um, could equal via, obviously, Warner Brothers. What I find hilarious about this is I don't think a lot of people actually know how the Bond movies work, and I do not claim to be an expert, but they're not owned by MGM at all. Their distribution rights are... But the Broccoli's, which I believe are still called Eon, or they may have changed their name to something else. Well, that's its own bit of drama. Right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But so Barbara and her, I believe, stepbrother, Michael Wilson, they own Bond, which is why nothing has ever come out of that universe outside of movies and occasionally a TV show in like the late early 90s with like young Bond. And then there were some books uh, most recently that were not most recently, I guess, in early 2010s but that's why there's been such such limited content from this brand is because they're in charge they decide who gets cast and this is one of the rare franchises in film history that is continually hopped around there have been instances of this of course where movies were made by studios that don't exist and then they get absorbed into some of the larger um film companies but Amazon now owns the distribution rights to James Bond, which may mean we get this new version of 45 days in studio or in theaters and then straight to prime or like it may me. I mean, I would be shocked if knock on wood post pandemic things are simul launching because I mean, even looking at, but there's been consistently mixed reports about what's going on with Dune in December and so they Bond is not going to be like, oh my god, we're going to get a Money Penny show and a Q origin story, or like, like we're just going to get another Bond in some form. Which, like I said earlier, I hope they reboot to the '60s because that is much more interesting, and you can do a lot more when he's limited to things. I mean, I personally love Tomorrow Never Dies, where he had the Nokia phone with the taser and the trackpad to drive his car. But, like, that was almost pushing it. 
Because you can straight up do that now. Like, that's not interesting, but... The aesthetic of Bond, I think, works in the 60s, and it's perfect. Like, Steven mentioned X-Men First Class. That came out in 2011, and it takes place in the 60s, and it looks awesome. So, I'm hoping that's what they do, but, may I mean, Bezos may be stepping down, so he, or I believe he, they said he was stepping down. So, whoever's in charge, uh, like, whoever is the Kathleen Kennedy at Prime Video clearly doesn't let anybody go for creative differences, so the shows they announce, they actually get made. Um, it'll be, I don't know, I doubt we're going to get anything out of the norm from the Bond franchise, but as somebody who really enjoys the, what Prime Video already offers up here, I'm excited just they're going to have more, because I think this is making more and more reasons for myself personally. Like, I don't know why I have Netflix, when the libraries on these other services, I think are way better. I mean, one of our two-time returning or current MVP guest Rob Keys loves Netflix because they're the only studio that dumps all their content uh, on a Friday. But as somebody with two children under four, I appreciate the three to start and then weekly model because then I can keep up with it. And as somebody who enjoys social media, I'm not constantly running and ducking from spoilers because I don't stay. I mean, I did stay up till 3 a.m. to watch the Snyder Cut. But I don't typically do that for other shows. So if they're going to have more and more original things on there in the format that I think is working for Prime, that makes me really excited. All right. Well, Stephen, are you feeling excited about this whole merger or purchase, if you will? I am. I think that um, the um, to start with another tangent um, <laughs> with um, when... Um, Warner Media, or not, um, yeah, when Warner Media got bought by, or I guess WB got bought by um, AT and T, the the whole thing is now being spun as like a, a failure because of the um, because AT and T is not a media company and stuff. But I feel like a lot of that was is very much like Hollywood counter PR. There's a lot of like entrenched politics and people that are like not happy about a tech company or like a a, a um, an internet company coming in and changing the way that studios operate because they haven't had to operate it's almost like government where there's like there's a there's such a bureaucracy that's established by nature of the the studio existing that things like theatrical windows and stuff are basically just like collusion um in order to keep this circle of movies and and, and theaters functioning and so when an outside company comes in they're like why are we doing things this way there's way too many people skimming off the top as producers for all these projects there's way too many you know way too many paper pushers um these these windows don't make sense they that we could use these as a as bait to get people to sign up for a streaming service and get 15 bucks a month instead of ten dollars twice a year from them for whatever movies they go to see um let's let's change this all and hypothetically that would all work great but they only got halfway through the changes before like hollywood kind of fought back and at&t is like you know what we don't it's not worth the effort <laughs> let's let discovery take care of it at least that's the way i see it but th th now you're seeing the spin about like like the hbo max um, release window thing was a failure because it's losing them a billion dollars it's like well no you look at how many people signed up and you got to factor that out over how long they're going to pay subscriptions they've already made more money off of those people than they would have theatrically for the whole year based on like average ticket purchasing behavior um and um so having said that looking at um amazon buying a studio 
I'm far more positive about because they're actually way more invested in the content space than AT&T was. And MGM has way less toxic and entrenched of a bureaucracy for Amazon to like take apart. Um, and if they do, even if they do, Amazon is going to have like the resources to actually focus on fixing that. So these properties, like for example, you look at Bond and we're talking about, well, the Broccoli's, you know, that's kind of at their mercy for what the Broccoli's want to do. Um, but at the same time, the people that were trying to get more out of the broccolis are the same people that are handing people binders full of properties and saying, what do you want to reboot? Or go, scrolling through IMDb and saying, what do you want to reboot? Um, and so now instead of those people trying to get more out of the Bond franchise, we're going to have the people who are at Amazon who are investing significantly in content um, and not interested in Hollywood politics saying like, let's get a, an M origin story set in the 60s or the, the 40s, right? Let's have her be like a spy during world war ii as like her origin story and like make a series out of that um and um with uh daisy ridley right oh my <laughs> god yeah that. here's my money <laughs> off off yeah. chaos walking or whatever the hell that one was called um or you know or a, a q origin story or like you know whatever or even a straight up bond like there's a shared unit like there's all sorts of things you could do with that property that is not being done <laughs> and i'm not saying it's going to be but there's way way higher of a chance of amazon convincing the broccolis that's worthwhile than mgm convincing them and that goes to all the other properties too i mean you've got rocky you've got all this other stuff i know stallone is interested in a rocky a young rocky thing um which would be interesting because he's kind of a loser at the start of Rocky. So it's just a show about a guy <laughs> constantly being a loser. It's but. the diehard problem. He's not interesting before that first movie. Yeah. Um, he had a turtle. But, Give him some credit. <laughs> he was busting hey, but thumbs. <laughs> but throwing a racquetball on, on the ground. Maybe we'll... No, I guess we see him with... Never mind. I, my Rocky knowledge is abs- absurd. Well, I'll let Steven yeah. continue. Sorry, Steven. <laughs> Um, no, no, it's, it's, I, but yeah, so I think I, I'm, I think Amazon as a company, uh, um, is way more positive than AT&T and MGM. And I'm just, obviously it's the most recent comparison of the kind of cross, um, industry acquisition and, um, um, sort of the way Amazon approaches content, I think is very, you know, look at what they're doing with Lord of the Rings. I, I just think it's very suitable for them to expand their IP catalog and MGM has some really underappreciated, um, IP that's outside of the Marvel DC Star Wars wheelhouse. Wrath of Man, Ryan, was made by MGM. <laughs> yeah, they were, baby. And oh boy, am I happy to give them my money for that. You, get, you, you might get a sequel, uh, Two Wraths, Two Men. I don't know. No, you know <laughs> what I want now? We're talking about all the properties they have. If we do not get a gentleman miniseries that is all about Coach... I will be so disappointed because that is perfect for the prime model. And I say that particularly because I'm finding, at least with the content that I'm drawn to on prime video, which it needs a better name. It should just be prime. It's cleaner to quote. I can never find it. I always have to like Google prime video and then like Amazon, like this is the menu drop down. It's like 37 things in the menu and I'm like video. And it's like, here's a Blu-rays. I'm like, no, I want, (laughs) I want your streaming service. Amazon (laughs) prime or like hell prime TV. I don't care. But they're like that's the kind of stuff that I'm hoping they're not bindering. It's like, what do we have that like you give somebody who I mean, he's busy with Doctor Who. But like if you gave a coach miniseries, he doesn't have a name. But Colin Farrell's character from The Gentleman (laughs) to like Matthew Vaughn, who's I don't think is ever actually going to finish the Kingsman trilogy, which is really sad. 
um, give that to him. Be like, write something interesting for this person. Cause him and guy essentially went to this, like have worked together constantly. Like that's the kind of stuff that I want because the content that I think is the most successful on prime video is mature stuff. And like, I like that counter programming to the Disney plus stuff, which I enjoy. But if you can find your own, I was, is it niche or niche? niche? I, I always say both. Like both of them, whichever, <laughs> my bases. yeah, whichever one works for you, that's great. Like finding things that are di- not diverse but are unique enough where it doesn't feel like just more of the could really work to bolster what is already probably one of the most subscribed services because people don't know they have it because it's just included, right. Right? Like, uh, that's yeah. the craziest part. It's an afterthought that they have arguably... I mean, I don't I, ha- I don't have the numbers in front of me. But, like, they're in the top three streaming services, likely. And that's with a lot of people not even deliberately going to them for that stuff. I'd be curious to see their numbers and see top three based on subscribers or based on, like, watch hours. I wonder, I'd like to see, like, the watch hours per customer compared to, like, Netflix. I bet it's really low some people throw in the average and i believe it's nietzsche is the argument we're looking for is that's right nike (laughs) Nike. um yes it's i just drawing back to last week without remorse rain rainbow five or rainbow six are they called james bond looking for a team up anyone I i want a ryan universe that's something i want i want a jack ryan universe Sam, well, what, and oh, there, sorry. I was going to say also is there, um, I'm not as familiar, but I feel like MGM is one of the studios that has a fairly solid catalog of creator relationships. Like, isn't Danny Boyle pretty consistently with MGM? Yeah. Um, and then I, and, um, um, and there's, and there's like a few others. And so like, that would be really cool to get like some Danny Boyle series going sure. at, at Amazon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Sam, what are you thinking on this? Um, well, I mean, I guess the streaming wars continue, eh? Like, it's just all these big corporations have to absorb one another. Um, it kind of reminds me of that that free-to-play game where the circles absorb each other and the bigger circles just absorb the, the smaller ones. Um, it's just like a never-ending thing until there's just going to be, well, I guess, three ginormous circles. Like, we got <laughs> Amazon, we got disney and i guess netflix i don't know or and warner brothers now but um i don't really have much to say about it other than like i guess this will be convenient for prime video subscribers hey we get james bond now but like it's it's like it's just a crazy a crazy like transition type era we're in where things are are moving around who knows like what's going to be where um i mean i have to stay positive because i'm a huge lord of the rings fan and i hope amazon's going to treat that property well so i guess that positivity should transfer over to this thing too and let's hope that you know all goes well with the bond stuff and whatever else mgm has i mean mgm is such a historic studio and you know i I, i'd have to go through the list of exactly what they have but like you know it i i hope that amazon you know with respect takes these properties and you know reinvigorates them for the 21st century so 
my thoughts lie a combination of everyone at this point. Why not, like, Sam mentioned Lord of the Rings. They paid how many million dollars just to get to make Lord of the Rings, and now they're throwing an infinite amount of millions of dollars to make it. They spent billions of dollars to get MGM. How much money, or how much more money are they now going to get to make a James Bond movie? And why not send it to the studio where literally the guy who runs that studio every minute probably makes enough money to make an indie movie like every minute of the day he can make an indie movie if he want it with that paycheck that guy's gonna throw so much money at whatever he wants the sky's the limit for these it's only gotta need a good idea at this point and they can carry that out so i think that's kind of a cool element yes it does kind of bring into the factor of getting down to the big three and that's actually going to be a thing do they have to approve this i remember when disney was buying um who was it recently oh fox Fox, recently they had to get approved by someone uh like a higher up in the government to prove that it's like good for business and not yeah was the monopolization of stuff right like that's why disney doesn't own i mean i don't know why they would want to but they don't own fox news or the fox tv networks because there's things like protecting that stuff so, so yeah that kind of thing draws into question does that happen in this instance i couldn't see this one not going through like yes mgm's a big brand name the most interesting fact about them probably for everyone has been that lion that does the roar killed its handler <laughs> like a day a, a second after or whatever it was but who knows if the mgm logo is even going to stick around or they're just going to start throwing the amazon one but jeff bezos in there roaring <laughs> the memes from today were so good like it was just that mgm logo with different things in it like shout out to screen rant i'm pretty sure it was tired daniel craig in the center of the logo that i saw today <laughs> so whoever made that my hat is off to you metaphorically speaking it yeah the possibilities for this are endless are endless at this point it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I can't see this being anything but a good thing for us as consumers for it, which I think is what we look at first and foremost, the business side. And yeah, Stephen drew it into attention, like a business person kind of calling the shots at that point instead of like the in Hollywood people. It, does that trigger anything, make it different? Did they do this purchase as quickly as an Amazon purchase could have been? Those are the questions I want answered at this, but yes. You got free one-day shipping on that, on that MGM purchase. <laughs> That's all it takes, yep. I don't get that where I live. I'm too remote. It's two <laughs> oh, wow. days. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, either way, it sounds like we're all fairly positive on this. It's an interesting thing to see, but $8.5 billion was fairly quickly. This news kind of came fast this week, and... It got carried out quickly, so Amazon can throw out some money, apparently. Who would have thought that? But we'll jump to some news that can't really been be roadmapped to, I guess, at this point. These these two things do not add up too quickly, but unless the guy was running really fast on that roadmap, and that's right, I'm going to build this terrible segue myself. Because Aaron Taylor Johnson, formerly known as Quicksilver, has been cast today. And it's not now Keanu Reeves. It's not Jason Momoa. It's going to be Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter. 
S- <laughs> Kyle? Sony? Yeah. I don't understand. That's oh, you said Stephen Amell, and I went okay, sure. <laughs> like he's not. I mean, he's done. I I would be shocked if he's back on the CW. I am looking forward to Heels because Stars has made one of we, my favorite shows of the last decade with Black Sails. We should context that too. That Sam was like, "Hey, did you guys see the Craven news?" And I looked it up and saw. That it was Aaron Taylor Johnson, and then Kyle was like, "No, I didn't see it," and I was like, "Oh, Stephen Amell got cast as Craven the Hunter." <laughs> yeah, which made sense because I mean he's Casey Jones, so the, the first thing I think of when I think of Casey Jones is he's just an American Craven the Hunter. But what is the plan for this so-called multi-spider? Ver- like I. I made a horrible joke that I'm going to put on the podcast, so it is in audio form, which was we were all talking about Ralph Boner, because, you know, that was (laughs) worth everyone's time and investment, and definitely not to drive up the, uh, what used to be a water cooler conference. Do they even have, you know, never mind, I'm going to text somebody I know at Screen Rant to see if they actually had a water cooler, but... Like, is his name going to be, like, Hugh, and then his last name going to be Zaz or something? So he's Hugh's huge ass or something? Because we have... What confuses me most... Like, Aaron Taylor Johnson, he's a good actor. He's going to be doing another Russian accent, guys! Who's excited for that? Uh, So good the first time? uh, You didn't see that coming. Uh, (laughs) And we... Morbius confuses the hell out of me so we have jared leto doing his thing long hair and jacked what he's known for at it in this current era of film and then we had the toby Maguire suit on the wall that said murderer and you're like oh maybe they're continuing the toby verse or the raimi verse who cares it's done verse uh, i know ryan wants spider-man 4 but that's not happening um <laughs> every day i want it every day <laughs> And then we had Vulture in the trailer. So I really hope that Amy Pascal is listening to whatever Kevin is texting her. Because it makes it seem like there continually seems to be there's this there's another deal with Sony. We talked about it. There was the Netflix thing, which didn't include any of the Marvel stuff. It's like, well, that's kind of interesting. The next day, all our Marvel stuff is going to Disney Plus. It's like, oh, there's a plan. And now we have an actor who's not just a bit. Craven the Hunter is, in if you're a comic book reader, arguably one of the most important Spider-Man villains, where he like straight up killed Spider-Man. Like Raven's last or Craven, Craven's last hunt is an incredible run of the comics, and that character is really interesting in like all the different things he delves into like if you go super sci-fi with all the animal augmentation or just like man versus beast so he's not in a movie with tom holland but we're just going to this is wonka all over again like venom worked because it's batshit insane and we had tom hardy eating live lobster i'm assuming in a lobster tank and now we have non-carrot top uh, Woody Harrelson in Let Them Be Carnage and we're like, sure. Directed by Andy Serkis. Alright, why not? And then we have Morbius, which is no one asked for. But, alright. I... So, is our Sinister Six going to be 
sinister without the Spider-Man? Or they like, if they're building to a Andrew Garfield Sinister Six, I am so on board. But there is no indication that that's happening. So there are they just using up characters that I guess we're never going to see in the MCU? And if that is the case, that is frustrating because. The last thing that I want as a big Spider-Man fan is us to get the same villains. Like, I guess we have no idea who's currently in shit. What's it called again? Home something? What is it? No Way Home? No Way Home. Thank you. It's so memorable. Like, we don't have any idea who the villain is in that. Like, I don't want as much as I would love to see Matthew McConaughey's Norman Osborn in the MCU or... Who's the not? Who's the dis? I I don't mean to be rude to him, but who's the discount Tom Hardy? What's his name? He was in uh, Iron. Man. Oh yeah, Logan Marshall. Green. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. the other one, James Badge Dale. Uh, don't. I like James Badge Dale. Yeah, I don't think he's a discount. No, Tom no. Hardy. I think okay, Logan sorry. Marshall so, Green is. Okay, is yeah. Logan Marshall Green going to be Doc Ock? Like, I just, I have. It's so confusing, and it's. When you have, we have no indication of what's going on, which makes my reaction to this complete bewilderment. If we had an idea of what was going on, I'd probably be like, all right, cool. But like, I mean, has Amy Pascal ever really had a plan? The answer is no. Kyle, <laughs> so, listen, do you need a plan, Kyle? Do you need a plan? Because it's just, it's just going to be a Craven origin movie, just like Venom. Uh huh. And then there'll be a sequel, maybe. And, you know, they're going to. Throw spider. They're gonna have to throw Spider Man at some point. It's gonna happen. And then Mysterio is gonna show up. There we go. In the uh, the um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal Mysterio is gonna show up in it sure. for some reason. <laughs> in the trailer, they're gonna, it's gonna make a stinger at the end. Like, wait, what? <laughs> it was all an illusion. Yeah. <sighs> that would be cool. But in my heart of hearts, I feel like Jake was a one and done. Like people have been trying to get him in comic book movies for I mean he was almost Spider-Man 2 yeah but since then it's never happened right like we haven't gotten the ghost of Jeff Bridges which would be amazing if he shows up in what show Ryan Armor Wars that's right we hate it don't do it Jeff Bridges your career is better than this <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't want it does anyone else want a Craven the Hunter movie I kind of love it. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, part of it, straight down to the uh, the sump, the S U M C. Um, uh, what is it? Sony Universe of Marvel characters name. <laughs> I just you've got DC and Warner Brothers who like have their issues. It's like, um, I don't know. There, they, they, some good they stuff, issues, some bad yes. stuff, some mixed bag <laughs> stuff. But like, it's it's like what. And then you got the MCU who is like, so they found out how to get it just to the, like, get the needle just into the green enough to be like, okay, we can do this every time. And then that's just, they kind of ride that out. Um, and then you've got um, Sony who wakes up every morning and chooses chaos. And I kind <laughs> of am all about it. Um, and I think that also Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think people are sleeping on a little yeah. bit. Um, partially, I don't think they realize like how absolutely jacked he is. Oh yeah, in more recent days, but also like even because he's known for like his boy or people remember like um, like Kick Ass or something like that, where he's like he's like he looks like he, like his voice is cracking and he's got like no hair on his face or anything. But now like 
he's he's gonna have the hair and the beard and like the the just ripped physique and uh um I mean, we'll see where the performance goes, but I feel like kind of his performances that people criticize in like Godzilla or or Age of Ultron are very much him playing. Like I feel like Craven, he's oh, gonna, he did like, what they go. asked him to do in those yeah. movies. Yeah, what's and I, I feel was, like Craven, he's just gonna kind of be able to like go. Like I said, it's, it's it's chaos. Like they're just like we want you to just play a crazy Russian man who fights tigers with his bare hands. Like yeah, I'll do that. Um, and and there's and also the fact that like. Even the fact, like you were, as you criticized it, you were framing it in the sense of I don't know how this fits in with these universes. What's these plans? But also, there's an element of that that's like refreshing, in a way, where it's like, yes, if if it's the puzzle piece that we're trying to fit into a puzzle, yes, that's confusing. But also, if you say forget the puzzle, just make something creative. Even if it's like like Venom, and it's like I don't know what it. People like it, people hate it, but also, it's like you wouldn't get that movie in the MCU or in like like love it or hate it it's it's a movie that you're not going to get if it's a part of this carefully manicured plan um and uh i don't know i'm i i tend to choose like you know what it's going to be a a bad movie or a questionable movie but if it's if it's um if i can walk into it without knowing like beforehand like being able to like chart the plot and in tone then uh that's always encouraging well, that's true. And I'm, I'm going to quote something that you've said, Stephen, which is probably the best way to sentiment to go into whatever Craven may be, which is the most boring conversation is whether something is good or bad. And I'm glad you brought up Aaron Taylor's career because I just realized in thinking about what I said, didn't mention him at all. I just <laughs> talked about the universe, which is he's a great actor. If we get like nocturnal animals, Aaron Taylor Johnson, but just throw in a Russian accent, this movie's going to be amazing. <laughs> so if that's what we get, I'm fully on board with it. But yeah, I did obviously get lost in how it fits, but if it doesn't fit, who cares? As lo- I w- if it's like Venom, but this Russian guy who beats up animals that challenge him. Cause he doesn't want to beat up a volu- an animal involuntarily because PETA would be all over that. Um, yeah, that's that's more hopeful. I hope this is as weird as the things we've gotten from the... Smucked? What is it? Sump. S-U-M-C. <laughs> Just rolls oh, out. Yeah, um, turn up the top. <laughs> um, what's, uh, what's the Sony president's name? Um, Pascal? Amy Pascal. Is that? Yeah. Amy Pascal. Yeah. I always forget. But um, that's the other thing about them, like choosing chaos, is whenever this stuff comes out, there's a part of me that wonders how much she's just trolling Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I, I remember like back when the Marvel deal first happened, and she was like, oh, yeah, the movies we make are going to be the MCU. And Kevin's like, oh, no, they're not. And she's like, yeah, our movies are all in the MCU. And he's like, no, we're separate. And then she does another interview, and it's like, yeah, so when we make this movie, and then Spider-Man crosses over, and like, I feel like she's like negging him. Him or something and it's yeah. just really entertaining to me yeah he's always going to deny it until he's ready to say it but now they are apparently from his mouth they're yeah. somehow connected so when he was ready three years later to say that mm-hmm. S- sam are you interested in the first trailer for craven which would be the first trailer in history to say no animals were harmed in the <laughs> this film <laughs> i mean yeah like not much to add with well, that already hasn't been said but I agree with Steven in that people are sleeping on Aaron Taylor Johnson. I feel like he's kind of, you know, been in the background uh, ever since Age of Ultron. Um, Just kind of taking little roles here and there. He seems like an actor who wants to challenge himself, and he probably was enticed by what 
Tom Hardy was doing in Venom. Like, yeah, it's a big property, but he's just doing something wacky, and that's pretty cool to get paid to do. So, um, yeah, I'm all for it. Like, I didn't, I didn't realize how much I'd be happy to see Aaron Taylor Johnson until he showed up in Tenet, and I was like, oh yeah, this guy, this guy's cool, and he's just saying, you know, stuff like this is cowboy shit or something. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm for it. I, I don't know, like, I'm not a huge comic book guy, so I don't know much about Craven, but like, it's, I think it's just cool that they're building this Spider-Man universe with the villains, and uh, you know, let's hope that they're building it to, uh, you know. A Sinister Six type movie, but we'll see. Well, Aaron Taylor Johnson's wife directed Fifty Shades. Are we seeing a crossover with that at all, huh? Steamy Craven? That's going <laughs> crazy, Sonny. Hope. Well, yeah. Stephen brought it up. He was huge, like, jacked on jacked for the end credit scene of whatever teased Age of Ultron. What was just before... Was it Winter Soldier? It might have been Winter Soldier. Well, it would have been something in 2014. So, yeah, it might have been Winter Soldier. or th- It wouldn't have been Thor. Was It doesn't matter. But, but like- this conversation right now, by the way, is exactly why I'm like, choose chaos. Just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it, yeah. <laughs> that, that build whole is thing, right. Though, yeah, that whole thing, though, is what kind of bums me out about it, is I liked the idea of him being Quicksilver and coming back. Like, I thought... When they cast him as Quicksilver, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, I was like, those are huge gets for the MCU at people near the start of their career. You can ride those people into the sunset, but obviously that didn't pan out after seeing H. Voltron. Aaron Taylor Johnson's last three, four movies have been army movies, and he's been huge in them. Huge physically in them, not his role in them. Uh... He also, yeah, Nocturnal Animals, he won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor, which was pretty much deserved for that one. And then somehow he got snubbed into the Oscar nominations, but we will move on from that. He is a great actor. He can bring the role. Yes, Chaos is absolutely what Sony has done so far. Tom Hardy eating Live Lobster, Woody Harrelson... Jared Leto, we don't know if Morbius is going to be crazy, but we do know Jared Leto is crazy, so... (laughs) Who knows what Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to bring to this role, but they seem like they're just, they're taking chances. And at this point, maybe taking chances is the right thing to do because we always ask for it. We always say it. When these people are trying to make movies to be sequelized, the movie's just all set up. We want something creative, just a one and done. And if you can land a sequel after that, go from there. This might be a good footsteps to take a chance and do just that. And let's play the sequel game down the line. So hopefully they're not shooting Sinister Six right away. They're just like, let's see if the character works. And if he's going to be in it, he'll be in it. So I think that one went... I think we were starting a little negative, but everyone kind of came around on that one. We're all a little more positive with that. And yes, that is, of course, is the Simakavella, whatever we were calling the Sony the Sony <laughs> universe. whatever. Sunk. Sumk, there is. That was Sumk, Sumk, which is also apparently connected to the MCU, which has a teaser trailer come out. Now, something we were hinted at a couple weeks ago when they gave us a little sizzle reel for Phase 4, but now we got our first official teaser trailer for Eternals, and apparently, I was told, 
pouty boy Kit Harrington showed up in this one, and he was hard to distinguish from Richard Madden apparently as well. Kyle, I have two thoughts about this move or this not movie about this trailer that I put out online, which is this looks like it was shot by the woman who did Nomadland, and it does. I was happy to see the people they've been teasing at us for three years, but I think at this point, this trailer is a teaser. It gives you nothing outside of some inch, some good-looking profile shots and an Avengers joke at the end. So it looks pretty, but it feels like more Marvel until they prove otherwise. And I don't get the Kit Harrington and Richard Madden thing. Like, did we watch? Was it four seasons? When? Spoilers for three. Whatever. Does it matter? It was a while ago. (laughs) The Red Wedding happened, right? Like, they both had long hair and beards, and you were able to identify them pretty easily. I'm assuming because that never, at least, never graced my timeline. That hey, Jon Snow and. I just forgot his Rob name. Stark. Rob Stark. Looked similar. Like, it's just coming up now because they now both have short hair and beards. I mean, and let's be honest, one of the beards is better than the others. Richard Madden, way better beard. But I'm no expert on beards. I will leave that to Steven because this is like three days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing to my face. So, <laughs> so I, I don't like... I have no reason to doubt what Chloe Zhao can do, given how great Nomadland was. But my only concern is, is this is going to be what I am currently calling phase four of the the phase of the retcon. So I'm hoping that's not what the movie is, but I am very much looking forward to as much Kumail Nanjiani in as possible. So I'm kind of just sort of, I'm at wait and see for more at this point well not to throw your words back at you steven but to make the chaos argument for sony you said <laughs> mcu was keeping it in the green you still feel yeah it's that? no it's funny that you say that right in the leading into this one i um my relationship with the mcu is kind of weird because uh, i loved phase one and um i didn't i liked most of phase two um but I feel like I was expecting they were building kind of something that I was expecting different. Specifically, like when Age of Ultron came around, we're talking about that movie a lot. Talk about that more of this podcast than I have in like the last three years. <laughs> um, when Age of Ultron came around, I just remember that being like, "Oh, that's not the direction they're they're going." Like that was the first one that I, I really felt the like Marvel formula of, "Wow, line, 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 joke, line, 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 joke," and um, and. It's just not as much my my bag anymore, and especially like when it comes to the trailers, there's this formula that's like I just said that you kind of follow the same. It's like an exposition dump that's a dialogue um, voiceover from one of the characters explaining everything because nobody knows who anyone is in the comic book movie, and then it ends with a it shows some cool visuals, then it ends with a joke stinger. And outside of the joke stinger, that's not what this trailer was at all. Um, and I don't know anything about the Eternals, and I'm, like I said, I'm progressively less invested in the um, in the MCU. But um, I remember laughing when that article or the quote came out from Kevin Feige, where he was like describing to other D- um, Disney executives what it looks like for a sunset to be shot 
on location. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like it's it's, it's weird to even say because literally he was like, I mean, they shot this like on. I was like, how how have you been shooting sunsets in the MCU <laughs> for the last ten years? Um, Are there sunsets in the MCU? I don't I don't know, but and so I don't know. It's it's. It's it's easy to be cynical about about the MCU, and especially because you see stuff where they're like, "Oh, this is director driven, or this one's going to be different." And, um, but this is one of the first trailers that I've watched that really, truly like. It, I don't know if it was shot on film or not, but it feels it has that very like organic shot on film, shot on location. Um, feel even the color grade like Marvel always has a little bit more flat of a color grade, and they pop the colors instead of the contrast. And um, but this color grade feels very not marvel even um and uh the it feels almost like cloud atlas in a way like the way that they were cutting between like the timelines um and um i don't know it's 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 hard to get excited about it because whenever i do that for an mcu movie and i'm like ooh, it's the mcu cloud atlas and it shows up and i'm like oh i should have just expected like you know the mcu version of that instead of the one that i was excited about um so um so I'm always apprehensive to like, go too far, but so far I'm I'm very excited. I did well, look it up; it was shot on film. Nice. Okay. Well, Sam, I believe in the sizzle reel you were talking about Chloe Zhao's style sure, and yeah. how they seem to be camp- capturing it a bit there. Did that? Does that continue for you? Uh, quickly, I want to say thank you, Stevens, for mentioning Cloud Atlas. It gives me an adrenaline boost, so that'll get me through the rest of this pod. <laughs> um, yeah, Chloe Zhao. Uh, making a Marvel movie, it is weird. I think it's just so weird that she's... I mean, I guess this is just the nature of an upcoming filmmaker's career. She's an Oscar winner now, so she's getting the paycheck. Good for her. But I'm, I'm surprised to see like how much her style is coming through in this trailer. Clearly, she loves a good sunset. Clearly, she loves a beautiful sky. Almost every shot has something pretty about it. Uh, so that's great. We'll see in the end if that stays true or not. If they end up grinding her down due to like, you have to shove this in there. It's, you know, so we'll see. I'm excited about like, you know, a good portion of it, of my excitement it has to do with the cast and it's such a diverse cast. It's a big cast. So like, I really hope they can, you know, that these characters will have their moments to shine because uh, yeah, there's a, a, I think a lot of people to get through. So We'll see. I, I I have no idea what Eternals is, so like how important this will be going forward. I'm I'm curious to know. That's got to be the big question. Is yeah, we've gotten Guardians, maybe the mo- the biggest cast on like a single brand name in the MCU, and this is like double that size. And obviously, it doesn't seem like they're assembling them; like they're already together. So we're just kind of playing catch up and learn who they are everyone's big question what kind of weight is this going to have in the mcu going forward and a lot of people are going to be learning who the eternals are and ryan coogler jumped over to this after making indie films and absolutely crushed it hopefully you can get a similar thing john watts i think you can argue made quite small name stuff and then came over did spider-man and he at least did a good job with it so taking these chance on these indie filmmakers giving them a big budget doesn't seem to be a problem yet in the mcu maybe keep giving them a bit more creative freedom too and that might develop their next style 
and how they're going to keep this stuff interesting for the next 20 years because I can guarantee they hope it's going to be the next 20 years. Uh, but yeah, obviously I didn't watch the trailer, so I have no idea what it looked like, who was in it, anything like that. I know who's in it, but, you know, I'm going to see the movie, so <laughs> <laughs> that was never in question. But with that, that'll wrap up our news. We sprung all that stuff on Steven right before we were going to record this, so he was a good sport and hung out for all that. Gave some pretty good opinions. He said he was going to go on little tangents talked about collusion in the industry some <laughs> conspiracy that just sounds like a good podcaster to me yeah. so that's that worked out beautifully but we'll give him the chance that we actually signed him up for and that was to talk about our featured review for this episode for army of the dead coming next well the phrase may not be coined now but with this review we're gonna have a couple Snyder dies yeah. instead of Ryder dies get it uh, you guys will get it later I'm smiling <laughs> that's right it was bad but yes we will be talking about Army of the Dead Zack Snyder's newest movie to come out on Netflix and we're told it's going to be a bit of a franchise too we can get into that a bit more later but we're not quite done with Army of the Dead after watching this movie there's already more. Go figure. Zack Snyder's got a bigger plan for something than we're seeing. That's never happened before. So <laughs> we can all be shocked about that, too. All right. Starting with that. Sam. Yo. What exactly was Army of the Dead about? Well, following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Huh. And where was that? Where was that summary brought to yeah, us? Yeah, did you think of that yourself, Sam? No, that's from uh, IMDb. IMDb. <laughs> oh yes, we are now saying acronyms. Yeah. Just as phonetic acronyms. Yeah. Good yeah. lord! All right. Well, thank you, IMDb or IMD for that summary. Yes, Army of the Dead. Let's just jump in, Sam. Yo, what'd you think about it without spoiling anything right now? Well, um, it's an interesting movie. We're we're post. Justice League post DC era Snyder, you know, now he's with Netflix. They wrote him this, this blank check, if you will, you know, make whatever movie you'd like. And uh, who knew that Snyder would end up making a 148 minute long PSA for why you shouldn't get roadhead in Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to use that joke. I was, um, Uh, I mean, um, you really should have because miss. Yeah, like you've been messing with some jokes lately, but that was one of your better ones. <laughs> that um, I mean, re- to be fair, to be fair, if they just whose fault was that really? Like whose eyes were off the road? Well, <laughs> I blame the military. It, go, it, goes, yeah. it's the military it goes both ways. Fault. It goes both ways. But listen, you know, you give Roadhead, you're gonna die, and you're and you know what? You're gonna start the zombie apocalypse, and that's not fair to everybody. Like you're just, My God, you're just... I need that to be on the Blu-ray if that ever hits so bad. Like Roadhead that went wrong. You're like, it's like borderline slut shaming when like the military's job is like to literally like exit, like keep yeah. their eyes on the road. No, you're so, right. You're right. So, like, I mean, that, that's... that convoy wasn't of that effective. That's for sure. But uh, oh. I wish, th- and, and you know, in all seriousness, I wish the 
the movie had been more effective, you know, in general. I uh, I feel like with such a strong elevator pitch that this movie has, which is, you know, uh, zombie infested Vegas. You know, the we're gonna we're gonna you know commit this heist, like a heist zombie movie. I think that would spark anyone's interest, and that I, that sounds great. And I just feel like I. I Snyder had two competing interests, tones. Like it just, it, it felt a little. I mean, it was bloated. It's a long movie, and I, I feel like it could have been honed down. And the heist element part of it was lacking for me. I'm, I'm a, I love heist movies. Okay, and usually they involve, you know, characters coming up with a clever plan, and you know, trying to put that plan into action. Usually stuff goes wrong, but they still. Well, in some cases, they'll, they'll still come out on top. They'll, they'll adjust, figure it out. I just feel like the movie was so straightforward with its heist plan. I mean, half the time, I didn't even know what they were doing. And then problems just kind of fixed themselves. And it, it just didn't feel clever enough. And I, I don't know if that comes down to the fact that maybe Zack Snyder isn't the best writer. I know he came at, he wrote the story he you know he came up with this it has an interesting world building aspect to it but just in terms of the execution of its main plot it you know it was a bit underwhelming for me i mean on, on the positive end i think dave bautista is fantastic he has such a commanding screen presence i'm i was really happy to see him uh you know knocking it out of the park with this one I would love to see him in more action movies, and I think we will. We'll, we'll get more of him in starring roles because he's just. I think he's he's the best wrestler turned actor, you know, in this millennium. We'll just say that. Um, oh, ever just say yeah, it. Yeah, sure. It's ever. <laughs> he's good. He's really good. I like him. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll get more into it into spoilers. But the last thing I'll say is. Uh, Snyder also served as his own DP on this. And I have to say, I really did not like the way this movie looked. The, the extreme shallow depth of field with almost every single shot uh, was, I think it, it was just too much of, of one thing. And I feel bad for like the production designers who put so much work into like the sets and making the, you know, you know, make these these locations and sets look good and and then with almost every shot you don't even get to see what's going on in the background it's 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 a little disappointing but other than that there was fun to be had i just i just wish no i I just feel like there was it was a missed opportunity so sam did you just sucker punch Zack snyder oh man talk about a good movie Steven, what are your thoughts on Sucker Punch? I think that's where we got to start this whole <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> we have as much time as you're willing to give us. Uh, is that a serious question? Oh, it's, <laughs> Sam is the only Sucker Punch fan here. I'm I'm scouring the earth for a second. Um, I, I like the movie. Um, it is... Um, I think I might go into this more as I, I talk about Army of the Dead, but Zack Snyder movies for me, even though I'm like, I guess I should say I'm, I'm probably qualified as a Snyder fanboy. I, I run three podcasts dedicated exclusively to his movies and tweet mostly about him. 
<laughs> um, and um, but I I always have a a hard or not a hard time. I, I I've learned that I I never need I can never go off of my first impression of a movie. I always need to learn how to watch his movies, which is, is some people would say it's a bad thing. Some people will appreciate that. And so I can't say whether or not that's necessarily good or bad, but he's he, the story he's telling is very rarely the story that people expect to see when they, when they watch the movie. And so as a result, they'll be looking for different things or following different plot lines. And I find that the more you kind of learn the movies, the more you're like, Oh yeah, this, this is what's important. And this is what's not important. And so sucker punch is a good example of that. In, in that um, I like it a lot. I like the creative decisions. I like the aesthetic. I like the, the story that he's trying to tell. Um, but um, obviously with the theatrical cut, there's a, you know, it's the, it's the Snyder problem of WB made him, made him turn a hard R movie that was making a really strong statement into a PG-13 crowd pleaser, which by, as a result, essentially turns the statement they were trying to make in on on itself and the movie becomes a product of what it was condemning instead of the condemnation of that and he was able to correct a lot of that with the extended version um but (laughs) until we get the snyder cut of sucker punch or the, the snyder punch um we um there are there are holes in the film to me that that are incomplete so it's hard to like it's like do you blame snyder do you blame the studio the the vision for what is there is something that I appreciate and want to see, but it's very hard for me to say like Sucker Punch is a glorious movie because a lot of what I'm rating it on is things that aren't actually in the cut that we have, um, and so to me it's more like a uh, it's an artifact or a a proof of concept or something like that. So that was a diehard Snyder fan <laughs> dancing around that Sucker Punch sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll say I, 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 I really enjoy the movie a lot, and there's a lot of things I do like about it, but I always have to provide, I don't know, I provide way too much context if there's something clear already. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so that's kind of the way that I feel about it, where I will acknowledge that there are parts of it that don't completely line up, but it's not parts that like bother me. It's more like, I see why you dislike that, and it doesn't really bother me. Um, but I recognize that it could be better and maybe it would be, you know, is it a justice league situation or is it like a just marginally better with a Snyder cut situation? Um, and I don't know, but that's, uh, the, the shortest safe take for me to give you on sucker punch. Probably. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a Snyder die instance. Yeah. Trademark quest beyond can't steal that. That's ours. Does does that carry over then to Army of the Dead for you? Um, I I will say I have way less um, points of criticism or apprehension about like Army of the Dead, but it is a very similar situation where I found like the first time, and it also hurts that like the way that I like the first time I watched it was on a Netflix screener, which is a lower bit rate, and I was I had other stuff going on, and so I watched it in a couple chunks and. And it was not the best watching experience. Um, and then, um, and then I saw it in theaters. But it's it's as as is usual with Snyder. I'll watch the movie and I'll be like, why was this that way? And I'm not sure this is that way. And then I'll watch it again, and I slowly learn. Like for this one, for example, he and he talks a lot about it. So I don't think I'm inserting too much intention. But he talks about subverting genres and about playing to the idea of people have expectations for what a heist movie is and what a zombie movie is and he'll come in and he'll say like oh here's that heist movie thing you want and then he won't give it to you and he'll be like here's that zombie movie thing you want and then he won't give it to you or he'll give it to you like in excess 
Um, and that's not to say if it's good or bad or smart or dumb so much as that's kind of what he's trying to do. Um, and what I have found with this movie is while he's like, oh, it's a zombie heist movie in Vegas, and people are like, ooh, all three of those things have like create a checklist of things that people want to see in this movie. And instead of checking every item on that list, he's like, but here's a really compelling story about a father and daughter just trying to figure out how to have a relationship. Um, and the and on rewatches and kind of narrowing in on that, the criticisms that I would have had about the well, this, they didn't show as much of Vegas as I would have wanted, or well, they didn't the, the the specialist functions of the heist team isn't as heightened as whatever. All of those things, are like, well, is that even the movie that he was actually trying to tell the whole time, or was this a drama wrapped in the insanity of the premise? Um, and uh, outside of that, I will say that the more that I talk about it and and think about like the the expansion opportunities and um, and stuff like uh, Vanderhoe, who I guess in the spoiler section I, I can explain why I believe that Vanderhoe was the main character of the original script. Um, uh, I think that it's it's fascinating and there, it's it's a it's a a movie that there's always more to dig into than you would assume on the first watch. Um, I think my like th- my summation of kind of what I think about it is that it's it's basically a, a B movie elevated to I don't know more than B arguably you know depending on who you're talking to probably less than like like top tier blockbuster but it it takes something that you would think would be like a typical straight to Netflix movie and it's like oh wow why am I talking theories and speculation and all this stuff a week later about a movie that most of other times would be like something that people don't even put on their imdb <laughs> um so i don't know if that's concise or specific but that's kind of how i feel about the movie I, I enjoy it a lot i think is my is the is the bottom line but like all snyder stuff i kind of have to learn what he's trying to tell and decide if that's something that i'm digging as much or or not Interesting and you'll setup. be able to yeah. hear Stephen talk about every single minute of the movie on Army of the Dead by the minute. Yes. Release date po- pending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, there's two things, or one thing I have to say before I kind of get into how I feel about the movie, which is it's a crime that three of us were not able to see this in theaters. I um I watched this on the TV that is currently behind me, which is a, a 50 inch 4K, and I sat real close, which probably affected my vision. But I don't need glasses currently, so that to me is one of the things again. Chalk up to the pandemic is taking away is something like this that would have been incredible on, in theaters, and I know had a limited uh, launch in the United States. So hopefully Netflix or I mean typically Zach has had charity screenings for stuff so if that happens again for this that would be awesome because I would like to see this on the big screen I while Steven was talking about it it just made me think that of the deconstructive nature of his films is something that as a fan I should just expect and I don't know why I don't (laughs) because that is absolutely the pitches. It's a heist in Vegas that happens to be filled with zombies. And then watching the movie, that's not what it's about at all. And as a fan, that is something that I really did like about it. I like the characters that introduced. I loved the use. The opening title sequence of this was so entertaining, but also a little bit confusing 
because there were certain characters that I thought they were using in it that died twice. And maybe that was just the my me not necessarily understanding the intentions of what they were putting in that opening title. But the mythos that they build, I think, is something that I definitely want to see more from. I said this to Ryan earlier today, which is, this is the Dave Batista that I want more of. His quiet contemplation is fantastic. When he needs to be the action guy, he's the action guy. He's not in Stuber. Like, this is a good performance. This is why I liked him in Blade Runner 2049, a art house film that probably cost $300 million that nobody saw. Uh, I did. It was awesome. But this this kind of thing, like, I understand why he did this as opposed to The Suicide Squad. Like, he said why, but having seen the movie now, I get it. And I really did enjoy the characters in this. There are certain people who are completely playing to type, uh, in their what uh, if you if you told me some of these actors names and I had to guess what they were playing there's are a couple where I'm pretty sure I would have hit bang on if you looked at their IMDB but at the same time there's some new things that they introduce in the zombie in the zombie mythos that I thought were really cool they're a little bit confusing because I, I think it's funny though this is an hour and 48 minutes and having been trained to three hours three and a half hours four hours hour 40 or uh, 148 minutes that's a clip i can watch that several times in a day no big deal i don't have to miss a meal to watch this film uh i think that overall it's really entertaining and i like the character beats i think some things are missing and i don't know i i maybe steven knows but it's if there are certain things that feel that they were missing but overall, it's um, I like Zack Snyder films outside of Sucker Punch. And this gave me things that I like that he did, but it also played with a lot of stuff that he hasn't really worked with since Dawn of the Dead, which at this point feels much more conventional than this. There, there are moments I love the cinematography and there are moments I don't. Having seen Zack Snyder's Justice League... I think I'm at six times now, six or seven. Um, he clearly fell in love with that particular profile shot of the actors. And a lot of the times it looks great. And sometimes there's too much. It's ironic to me that there is, this is the smallest of spoilers. There's a banner of Larry Fong <laughs> in the movie. But at the same time, and th this has to be said, the integration of Tig Notaro was insane. It's seamless, and I seamless, was, yeah. I was looking for imperfections, not because I wanted to see them, but to just see if they were there. And they're not there. You could, you could probably say, well, this is done like this because she, I believe she is uh, the pronoun she chooses. I think she's, she's a they. Is she, she, is she a they? I think it's a they, yeah. Okay, why they are shot the way they are in certain shots, but the it's it's if it's not seamless, it is damn close. And that is really impressive. I think everybody suits the roles they're in. I have to give a shout out to Matthias. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm glad you're taking it on. The, the German guy? 
I, I always mumble yeah. the second half. I just say Swyshoffer. Um, Dieter! Dieter is great! <laughs> and I really did like Amari Hardwick. I wanted more of them, and that is one of the faults of the movie, I think, is the characters who are quote-unquote the leads, it does a lot with, but then there are some of the ensemble characters that I wish we had more of. And we may get more of them, but I don't know how that necessarily is going to affect how I feel about this in this film. But if you want a Zack Snyder film that is unfiltered Zack with the things you like and him exploring different genres, this was a thoroughly entertaining ride from start to finish. Um, right, well. On Twitter, Tignataro said, my pronouns are, sir, will you please calm down? <laughs> um. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes we'll sense. be further reviewed to on this show as Tignataro. Tignataro yeah. did this. Tignataro yes. did that. Oh man, yeah. I had a I had a pretty fun time with this one. It does have a lot of different messages. I think that's been gone over a little bit. Where it's not just straightforward heist movie in a zombie apocalypse. There's a lot of little other stories going on too. Some of them are working. Some of them aren't. But for the most part. I'm in this thing to see zombie heads explode and I'm here to see a fucking tiger do some shit. And I got both those things. So I was having fun with it. Uh, there's a lot of good action. The chases are there. The gore is there. And I think the team element of it, it felt a little lethargic and from time to time bloated it at the start as we're trying to assemble things. But when shit hits the fan, I think that's where it picks back up. And it got to have that amount of fun that I was looking for. And so I was happy with that. Uh, I think it starts a little strong with like the, the right off the bat opening. It hits a bit of a slug. And then it levels back out. So it just takes a little dip in the middle for me. But overall, I'd recommend it to zombie fans. I think I'd recommend it to Snyder fans for sure. And action fans that would have a good time with this one too. It was worth the watch. It's going to get a rewatch, which I think has been the sentiment across the board here is if there's one thing a Snyder film is good at, it's encouraging multiple views because you're probably going to miss some things and you're, you might have a different experience. You might have different experiences the more you watch these things. It's hard to say, but yeah, with the future of this property not being over, that either says a they didn't include everything they should have or b it just spirals a lot and i think in this instance it sounds like it's spiraling a lot of other stuff and this was a, a good vision that we got that he was thinking of and i'll get into that more in spoilers because there's some wacky ideas about sequels and whatnot going forward if they choose to go down that path nothing has been confirmed yet but hearing that and then connecting the dots with what they did a little bit in this, okay, I'm getting more and more interested with this guy. But overall, I liked the movie. I had fun with it, and I real will rewatch this movie. And that's pretty much something I say with most Snyder films. And I, I'm never disappointed rewatching a Zack Snyder film because there's usually something else that's fun to resee. And yeah. It was it was a great time. So I think with that, that's gonna kind of level off our non-spoiler segment, where we all generally liked it. Sam had a bit more sour notes, but overall, I think still had a good time. So 
we'll see how far that goes when we get into spoilers because we can start picking this thing apart a bit more giving you guys a bit more context to what we're talking about and not dancing around so much and maybe you'll get pushed to see it yourself or maybe maybe you've already seen it and you just want to be involved in that conversation too so with that here come the spoilers for army of the dead Spoilers one last time for Army of the Dead. If you guys have neglected to listen to this fi- point in time, you're screwed now. You're, you're stuck for the long ride. Here come the spoilers. Kyle, why don't you start us off with a bit of, bit of this plot, and we can jump in as we go. All right, so we open on a couple. Um, a, what I would say, classic American sitcom couple, where the... It is a heftier man and a very petite woman, which was one of the first things that I noticed. And they just got married, potentially in Vegas or maybe just at the sign. We don't we're not really sure. And so they're celebrating getting married. They take their picture and then we get and I'm blaming Stephen for this. Miss Lane, Jimmy Olsen in a truck with some other guy. How many episodes was that the clip for? At least 30. Oh, quite a few. BBS. I remember we moved quite. past it because I was like, oh, we're just going to have a different... We're going to have a different... Once you got out of Nairobi, I think you guys got rid of it? Uh, yeah, we were like, we'll have a different bit for each section. We'll start. We'll move to a Lex <laughs> thing or something like that. And nothing stuck as well as, as that did. And so we've just kind of left it behind. But So yes, uh, BVS is, if you haven't seen Ultimate Edition, Michael Cassidy as Jimmy Olsen shows up in the beginning of this movie and they're talking about what's in the truck. And we don't know. I genuinely had no idea. I was like, I don't know what's in the truck. We have, we're not getting, who knows how the zombies got there? It might just Hmm. be like 2021 herpes. Who knows? And did you see before that part, the, um, the UFOs? Yes. I I knew, I knew they were there, but it, I, it took me, I had to go back just the other day explicitly to watch like the first 30 seconds to be like, oh yeah, no, there are UFOs there. Um, yeah, because it's so it's it's not exactly subtle, but it's also like if you're not looking for them, they don't really jump out. But yeah, I I, I saw that I, w- I saw somewhere that they were in it, and then I had to go back and check. So their aliens may or ca- have caused this zombie apocalypse. So like Sam alluded to, we have two trucks going down the same road, and I blame Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for this. Because I was like, if we see a fucking CGI groundhog in this tracking shot, I'm out. I'm not doing any of this. But no, we have a oral sex scene happening in the newlyweds car. And we have (laughs) and we have Michael Cassidy and friend uh, debating about what's in it. And apparently the driver has to talk to his direct right <laughs> when having a conversation about what is in the van or what is in the truck. What's in the box. And they collide. Yeah, what is in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? And they collide and the the vault or the safe is thrown from and Jimmy Olsen's like, the thing's been released or has the safe's been broken? We're okay, we're okay. And then the comms like, get out of there. And there was another BVS uh, reference, which was the Four Horsemen um, is the name of the squad, I believe, that they are. There's like a call sign that is Four Horsemen. And so they don't get out of there. And if you didn't know, uh, Richard Citrone, who is Ben Affleck's stunt double, 
plays this zombie. Oh, interesting. Yes, he plays codenamed Zeus. He is 60 years old. No, he's not. Yes, he is. I, Are you for I real? follow him wow. on Instagram yeah. because he was on. Pull up his PBS Instagram and check the out the post he just he put up a couple days ago. He 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 got jacked for this role. Oh my it's goodness! Like he, yeah, yeah. F- fucking good I, for him. He looks like he's forties. He was he was fifty five, fifty three when he did the um, the Jeez. BVS. Ryan, yeah. As as um, Kyle was talking about with BVS by the minute, he he joined us for the night wow. for the nightmare section. He was. 53 I think when he made or, or 54 or something like that when he made um, BVS and he did that nightmare one shot fight sequence wearing the bat suit which is like a, he says it's like a bow flex with 40 pounds of resistance wow. um, which it doesn't just impact like um, like flexibility but like speed like you have to be really fast to be able to fight against that and he had one hour of sleep the night before that scene and it's like how does he his like yeah why is he's batman that's how he's batman that's yeah impressive. bruce wayne affleck is bruce wayne rich Tatrone is batman <laughs> yeah and it's it's amazing so yeah follow him on instagram and yeah he, he was on an episode he just, like at least three of this is just beaten by the minute yeah. plugging which is fine if you're listening to as us possible because you listen to steven <laughs> works for me cross-pollination synergy that's all what that's about anyway again a superior podcast that we're bringing <laughs> up <laughs> anyways so zeus takes down one of the he takes down the crew and you don't you're at this point you're like they're they're zombies right reg reg zombies we are we're not given any indication that anything is different which by the way he i'm bites. not gonna let you get out of this intro sequence ever um but that <laughs> that's fine th- this whole thing was shot during golden hour um, which was a big okay. thing for Zach. Um, and so it's like the first five minutes or whatever. And in that golden hour shot, um, they've got a truck explosion. They've got the roadhead. They've got the rich throne <laughs> zombie fighting, um, and etc. So it took them like, th- th- I think he said six weeks total, but like, I think like three weeks of shooting because they only had about 30 minutes worth of shooting time a day. And Zach was like, well, I can do this movie however I want for once. Right. And Debbie was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> His wife is his producer. It was yeah. a well, honey moment. Chloe yeah. I would be proud. And, um, she would be. And so, um, yeah, so it's crazy the the people outside of like Zach who's operating the camera. You've got like Rich Citrone has like twenty prosthetics on his upper body that has, takes like three hours to put on. So if so if they're doing night or morning shots to get that golden hour, you're talking about if he's getting up at like three a.m. in order to get or two a.m. in order to get the makeup on in order to shoot this scene every day for two weeks. And uh, Michael Cassidy. Um, I mentioned to, to to Snyder when he was on Dave Pena's uh, vodka stream uh, recently um, about how he has a penchant for uh, having Michael Cassidy show up in the uh, in the desert in the beginning of his movie and meet an unfortunate end. Um, and he said that he told him like, "Oh yeah, we'll just do like it'll be like a week of work for you or whatever." And he's like, six weeks later, I was like, "Sorry, man, I promised." <laughs> like, <it'd be> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, oh. continue explaining the intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, Zeus attacks all of the people, and then we get to see the zombie transformation. And where do they walk up on? They're in Vegas, baby. Viva Las Vegas. And then we get what I would say is the closest to the Watchmen opening yeah. of 
any of the Snyder films. It's ironic because there, the, a scene like this is in the theatrical cut of Justice League that was not created by Zack Snyder. So it's in, you, there's a dichotomy when somebody's trying to be Zack, or at least try, potentially trying, and what Zack Snyder does. And I have to say, the weirdest thing for me about this sequence was the pink font. I don't know why, but it kind of threw me off. <laughs> the spacing of it's a little yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost looked felt like a joke from I, people are probably going to hate this if you're a Snyder fan. But like there was the running gag that Civil War had the giant font and then end or Infinity War and Endgame had like giant font as a joke. But this is giant font that's spaced out. Now, the intro of the scene of, of the or the open the title sequence would probably be the best way to describe this moment of the film is the the nature to which Vegas is falling apart like is becoming the epicenter of the zombie apocalypse which is a wildly entertaining scene that has a shocking amount of VFX in and it looks great and seeing all of the monuments I the last time I was in Vegas I was like 10 years old so I, a lot of these are, have, are are newer to me than when I was there but we get to see the nature to which the zombie apocalypse is happening and up until this point like we, we're gonna get into I mean we're in spoiler territory but everything kind of just seems normal right zombies bite zombies more zombies etc 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 and we get to see this is the first point in the movie where I was a little confused in in the storytelling. So we see Scott Ward, who is Dave Bautista's character, with people coming out. Now, I understood that, like, Omari and I believe it's um, Maria, they're, like, protecting people, like, kind of clearing out the outside. And I thought... Or, sorry, no, I might be getting my people confused. No. I think I'm right. Or, no, there's at one point we see Dave Bautista come through the... Oh, shit. The storage the, containers? The storage containers, and some somebody gets crushed. Soccer mom. Yeah, it was yeah. It was like a, the mom or something. I Danielle Bergio is soccer mom, and she the 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 opening sequence is just her story, and it turns out she's got nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just a story about a soccer mom who became a zombie killer, and we kind of follow her through the context of this whole. She might be in the animated prequel series, yeah. But um, oh, yeah. but but yeah, she it that that was it's it's a kind of brutal ending to that. Like oh yeah, no, this character you've been following is not the character in the movie. She's yeah. dead, and her daughter's dead too. By the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it made it made me think that like there's that it's kind of it's not I wouldn't say it's a a aspect of the Mission Impossible movies that I think they've kept up the whole time, which is you get moments from the movie completely out of context, so you can't put it together, which is that I thought that's what they were doing, but Soccer Mom looks as shockingly like Maria, which confused me initially. So we get to see Dave Bautista um, saving people, and, well, some, not all, from the zombie apocalypse of Vegas. Flash forward, we get Sub-Zero... Not Sub-Zero, fuck, I messed up my own joke. Uh, Scorpion! Uh, showing up at a diner's drive-in and dives location where Scott Ward is the most jacked burger flipper probably in the history of the universe. And it's Bly Tanaka. He has... 
a proposition for <laughs> for Scott. I, what? I'm Blatt's knocking. We're rolling out. That's a diner's driving guys <laughs> reference for you. Yeah, all the Guy Fieri to, fans yeah. out there. They're going to Flavor Town. Uh, <laughs> um, so they want us. They want uh, insurance has already covered me for the two hundred million dollars in the safe. I want you to go in before it gets nuked. So there is your ticking clock on the heist. And if you get the two hundred million, you get fifty to deal out however you want. And he's like. Maybe. And then we get a flashback sequence where we get to see Scott Ward's well, part of his, I guess, origin story as a zombie fighter, which is he stabs his st- her stepmom or mom in the head. or Not his mom, his daughter's mother in the head. And it's very traumatic. Obviously, he's, his daughter's never going to talk to him again because you killed his mom. I don't care she was a zombie. That's a little irrational. She was a fucking zombie. You kill the zombies. <laughs> That's what you do. And he breaks his Medal of Honor, which is... We have to... Sorry, this is going to be complete tangents, which is fine. That's why we have Steven here. <laughs> he has a Medal of Honor for saving like the Secretary of State from the zombie apocalypse secretary of defense so ha- played by defense. I, I think the secretary of defense because it's going to be played by uh guess who harry oh, lennox <laughs> of course it is <laughs> and so um he decides like i'm gonna get this money because future spoilers he put he's gonna use it to con- reconnect with his daughter and then we get what i think is one of my favorite sections of the film which is the um assembling to quote another movie franchise. So he he wrangles up Maria and maybe they got a thing and God, this shot of them sitting on the car drinking beer, that needs to be a poster and a picture and it needs to be hung on my wall. And it may be, if I can get a 4K print of it, I will. And so they're like, all right, we'll deal out the money however we want. We don't have to tell anybody, no big deal. And then we get next to Amari Hardwick, who looks like he is a senior citizen pool rehab specialist and probably the hottest man to ever be in a pool ever. I'm just going to put that out there uh, in his current profession. And I I would be remiss without mentioning his Omega scar slash tattoo that he has on his left peck. And he has probably one of the coolest zombie fighting tools. We haven't mentioned it yet. A table saw um, that you hold. The uh, the Omega symbol is a brand, and it's a, a common or popular thing to do with in uh, black fraternities, like um, Alpha Phi, Alpha Psi Phi, and there's some others. But in the um, it, like you see a lot of like NFL players will have like it often looks like a, like a horseshoe, but it's a it's a brand, it's an initiation thing. Oh, um, that is cool. Yeah. So he is wrangled up. He he says he'll do it because of his history. They're wrang- at this point they're wrangling up people who have been involved with killing zombies. They're not getting completely ra- completely random people. That is until they. <laughs> I almost jumped ahead because I, I have the cast up here just because names are the thing I struggle with the most. So they uh, they recruit Dieter, who is my favorite character in this movie, without question. He's fantastic. I really did enjoy his performance. He plays probably what you could, could consider the most typical character 
in any heist movie where they're like, they've never experienced real danger. But I really liked his interactions with all the people. He has a bat of nails that's never used. <laughs> well, because because that was um, I think as as I've as I picked it apart, the more I've realized how much that scene was. I don't know if it was from one person's mind or an amalgamation of their minds. But when they're in the warehouse, and and I think also when you talk about like heist movie and zombie movie. Um, trope is like a thing that is is used a lot here so you've got like the trope like tanaka is like here's my miniature model it's like why do you have a miniature model well, because because i'm supposed to i'm presenting us a, a heist plan so i've got to have a miniature model and then like okay so we're going to talk about the heist while we have the music with the with the the team carrying out the stuff but in that scene you've got um first of all everyone's just being super extra he's got the bat with nails and that's what causes him to be like wait how are we supposed because that's when he realizes like wait i'm not suited for this and everybody else is but also um my favorite addition is that the vault that they open up and go into first of all most of those people don't even get to the vault also that dude damon is in the image and he was in all the promo images and everything and then I never even realized it until this scene shows up and he's like, Oh, zombies. No, screw that. I'm out of here. And then I look back at that image. And I was like, Oh wait, yeah, that dude who's in the movie for five seconds to say, this is insane. I'm not doing that. It's like, um, but also, um, the Snyder cut is in the vault, but it's also not in the real vault. It's only in the imaginary vault, um, that they have at the, during the heist planning, which I thought was, um, a really funny bit of like, um, I feel like there's some Snyder fans that would get mad about that if you told them that like a year ago. Like, oh yeah, no, he makes the Snyder Cut imaginary in Army of the yeah. Dead. <laughs> it was probably well, very timely for this, the point this was shot right, at. Right, yeah. Well, you, as Zach has said it, if you would have asked him at that moment, it was a pipe dream. So the fact that that happens in that scene, and that's one of the aspects, I'm glad you brought it up, that I enjoyed, which is we are given all the conventional things, but just like any uh, any Zack film, the way they are presented is out of the norm, and that's, like, it. that makes it refreshing in it's not presented in a typical way. Like, to use another set of heist films as an example, I quite enjoy the Oceans trilogy. I mean, two is terrible thank you uh, but, i disagree <laughs> but oceans eight there's a lot that works in that film but it falls victim to but we needed to do something extra spicy for our heist and then you get i mean i'm not somebody who would complain about movie length but then you get 35 minutes of well we stole all the necklaces and the the asian gymnast was with us the whole time like and it just you don't need more for the sake of more and it Yes, now, Ryan. Wait, is Topher Grace in twelve or thirteen? <laughs> he's in twelve. And, he's and in the 11, first yeah. one. He's in yeah one yeah. and two. He's in twelve. Yeah. yeah, love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, so just prior, so we were we are introduced to all of the people uh, that they the initial team has decided to assemble. So we we've got Scott Ward, uh, Vanderhoe, Maria, and Ludwig. And then we are introduced to Guzman, who's a, <laughs> a YouTube star for killing zombies. Because, of course, that would be a thing. And he just kind of shoots them at distance. And he's probably a little bit crazy. That would be the assumption for somebody who does that as their social media gig. Now, no judgment on my part, but that's just kind of the way that I saw the film. And I... Th and, yeah, that, and then, so... We have the team assembled. 
in on the other side of the story, we are introduced to Kate, who is Scott's daughter, and she is working at what essentially is not an internment camp, but an internment <laughs> camp for people who may or may not have been exposed. And who is the main security guard for this internment camp? My boy Shades. Shades! I, I wish he was easy, uh, not easier, but I wish I felt better about loving his character in this. <laughs> That's, I was gonna say my one note is Theo Rossi is electric on screen. Oh, he is. Like, he, he he kills pops. this role. Like he's it's hilarious, and it's except he's so like not just like a shithead, but like like a detestable. He's the shithead. He's like a, a, such a detestable human that it's hard to be like, oh, I love Theo Rossi in that because it's like, oh no, he's gross. Like, what? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's well, the he pinnacle is, of love to hate. Yeah, he is. That's what he has done so well. In like we talked shades is from Luke Cage and he was in Sons of Anarchy, which is that like he rides this perfect line where it's like he is a character you're supposed supposed in context to the story you're supposed to hate him but the performance is so good you love it as opposed to like a character where you hate him and you hate him I always use that as like the umbrage from the Harry Potter franchise like you're supposed to hate her and you hate her because. <laughs> Everything they're doing in the story is she is the obstacle, and uh, Cummings is this detestable. Bert, Bert Cummings. <laughs> Bert Cummings. Who, it's funny because de- uh, Dice was uh, Theo Rossi came up and be like, "Who named someone Bert Cummings?" And and Dice, the the Canadian, is like, "Haven't you ever heard of the great Canadian band, the Guess Who?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess the the lead singer is Bert Cummings. I know the guess who I didn't know Bert Cummings was the or or uh, Burton. Bertrand or <laughs> what's yeah, his full Burton name? Burton Cummings. Burton. Burton Cummings. Yeah. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, Theo actually commented on that actually during the interview on set, which was funny about how people. What's his character's name in Sons of Anarchy? Um, Give me one second. I'll pull. But it he up. says people will still come up to him and be like, "Oh yeah, I love like I love you as such and such." And he's like, "Why he kills like juice? Yeah, like, like hey, ju- I love juice I love juice." Ortiz. And he's like, "Why do you love juice? He kills like a dozen people. Like why do you like that guy?" But but it, it is funny though because you look at roles he's had like shades where it's like he's cool but he's bad. Whereas this one he's like. Sure, I'll make twenty thousand dollars. Like he's just such a yeah, dope. Yeah. Like he thinks he's cool, but he's <laughs> yeah. so st- it's so funny that he can play both sides of that line of like legitimately cool, like cool as a cucumber, like wearing sunglasses, dude, but also like clearly having a power trip over this minimal amount of power he's given, dude. <laughs> like, well, and when the when the pin drops, he shits his pants. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is well, perfect, and that's what you. I think my favorite character. gag in the whole thing is when he has Vanderos saw. And Vander is like, don't touch this again. And don't you ever talk to her again. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you got it, man. And then Dieter comes up and he, he drops the gas tank by him and like nods and, and, and walks off. Is like the biggest, like one of the best executed gags, I think, yeah. of like just playing with those two characters or three characters really where there's not even, it's not even so much the dialogue that they're playing with so much as like pitting these three archetypes together. It's hilarious. And in that scene, Dieter is already looking at Amari's character like, that's my big brother, right? And he's like, oh, it's like it's like little kid pisses off the bully till like your the teenage brother shows up and there's no issues because you've got the big teenage brother. And like that dynamic, I find thoroughly entertaining. So everybody's prepped for the heist. So, again, 
Tignataro's integration is so good. When they meet Peters at the at the helicopter park, I don't whatever. Airport. <laughs> Plot? Airport, <laughs> I guess that's what they're called. Helicopter park is much better. <laughs> the helicopter park. And they're talking back and forth, and I think if you're if you are one of those people who is like I would say consistently critical of this man's films. You'd be like, well, of course it's easy. Like they're just talking back and forth to each other. Like no big deal. I think that is one of the aspects of Zach's films that goes really unnoticed. I know corridor crew were obsessed with a shot in the Snyder cut where oh. Steppenwolf <laughs> steps on a puddle and a yeah. stick. Is the stick real? It's incredible. Is the stick yeah. real? <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And I was staring at my TV during this scene and the integration of Tig into the scenes, not just being in the environment, like they had to wipe out that dude, yeah. then pace Tig into the scene. But what blew me away, and again, like this probably, they're like, yeah, we got to do this, was the reflections in the sunglasses of both characters. You can see the other people. And also they had to reverse engineer. So he shot, so he has the dream lens, which has a very organic um, shallow depth of field so sam's favorite so when thing. he so when he reshot her he had to match that as closely as possible but then also when the vfx puts her in they have to make sure that they match that which is not so easy to do in post because you're not work you're working with like you're not working with something digital you can't just say like turn the aperture up to three um and uh so so not only do you have that but then you also have that he shot the entire movie with um natural light and so then when he goes to put her back in, so he shot it like with as little green screen as possible, all natural light, this shallow depth of field lens, and the intent was to be like nimble and not require like huge setup times and everything. And then he goes to reshoot Tig, and it's on green screen, on a soundstage, light is 100% synthetic, and he has to artificially recreate a very natural environment, which kind of gets him coming and going with as a cinematographer like a trial by fire as a first time cinematographer at least in a hollywood yeah. movie he's done music videos and commercials um but yeah per, to your point yeah. i think he he matched like the lighting and the and the um and the focus really well yeah, except he, he, when they first yeah. go in she steps her leg clips through a stack of zombies but i'll let oh. people go find that for, for themselves <laughs> i mean he definitely nailed it like obviously we know more about the history of the making of this movie but the average viewer wouldn't and i don't think they would be able to to guess that there's any kind of funny business going on there so good for him yeah i think that was that was the one thing that stood out was if you know you know what's happening but i think it probably would be seamless to the outside like just the the casual person who's putting it on yeah i've seen a lot of people that just didn't Uh, know that like they found out after the fact and had their mind blown yeah it's it's incredible and so the team we w- the team has been assembled the uh they've got the perfect model of the tiny helicopter which i referenced that because it does come up later and so they're in they're in vegas they've recruited burton cummings uh played by theo rossi and they've rec- uh, recruited lily who looks like somebody from the beach in iceland or the coast of iceland but i know she's not in that scene in my head canon, she's the one who smelled Aquaman's clothes. No judgment. <laughs> We'd all do the same. Uh, anyways, uh, so, and they also have to bring in the daughter because there is a family of migrants who was 
going in there to get money and that's that was Lily Coyote also is her is the code name they've been doing that so that way they have funds when they get out of the camp because otherwise you've got nothing so she's going to be their tour guide and this is when I really dug the lore of the zombie stuff that they built in this movie which is Zeus is an alpha so he, if he bites you he creates okay for reference if you're thinking the alpha and Omega Beta thing is real amongst predators. It's not. It's been debunked, <laughs> but it is a popular pop culture thing. So we'll forgive Zach for that. Well, it's like, that's like his favorite area to operate, right? Is is I this know. isn't technically true, but it's cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> it's like fair. in Watchmen with uh, Good Luck, Mister Gorski. Um, mm-hmm. Is uh, is an urban myth, but he's like. It's cool. I'm going to have Neil Armstrong say that in Watchmen. <laughs> yes, that's very true. But that is also a universe in which Dr. Manhattan exists. So <laughs> it, it all works because he's playing his, in his own sci-fi universe. So the Alpha is Zeus, played by jacked out of his mind Richard Citrone. And we meet the Queen, who's played by Athena Parample. Yes. We'll go with that. And she is needs an offering. You need to offer up a person to these people or to the to the alphas otherwise you're screwed and who do they offer up but shades <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i thoroughly enjoyed this moment. i felt mixed about this I, I get that he's supposed to be the dickhead and, and like they build it up so they, they have reasons to kill him i guess but i felt like them doing that and all the other characters being okay with it i felt like i kind of painted them like I don't know, like a little badly, like they could just turn their eye to that. Like you're sure he did terrible things. We never actually see him do terrible things besides have a little power trip and they're just straight up murdering this guy. What if you're yeah. supposed to feel that way? I, I mean, I guess so, but like the, the other characters don't seem to like, they just seem they're, they're totally okay with it. So that's where I'm like, okay, like, so what? Like they'll just turn, you know, they'll betray anyone that's on this team. Yeah. I felt mostly about it that, like, as a viewer, like, aw, really? We're only I, getting this much of Theo Sure, Rossi? yeah, that too. <laughs> that that affected my viewership of it. So he is offered to the queen, who should have been named Hera. I'm just going to... We're going with Greek mythos because of the Olympia. He's Zeus. She should be Hera, but whatever. And so then they're on their way, and this is what I would say not the slowest part of the movie i think them getting to the vault is fun and it is unfor this is where we get the integration of why are these people's names of martin played by garrett dillahunt yeah we haven't mentioned him at all do we need he's great i mean i think he he's a he's a good yeah plays the sneaky villain (laughs) I think that yeah. um, what we said about Theo Rossi is also in many ways true of Garrett Dillahunt, but Theo, like because of Theo and some of the other characters, Garrett doesn't get the attention that he deserves for this right. role. That that's <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So he is he's the dude that Tanaka has sent in, and he I know the security, and that's it for now. And him and Chambers have so Samantha Wynn got it. I'm using got a win this year because she's awesome in Zack Snyder's Justice League to continue the character that she played in Wonder Woman and she is awesome in this and 
Well, I, I have to admit, I felt so bad for the character when it seemed like she was going when she was going to die initially. And it was a little upsetting when because uh, Guzman and Chambers have connected. They both are badass. Cool. Maybe they think they're each other's hot. I don't know. And Martin's like, well, I got to like thin out the herd, maybe. And this chick's been rude to me. So she's going to die. And it, the shamblers are your classic zombies. They only react to noise. And apparently, so I'm, I'm, I guess their pupils are dead because they don't react to light. Because they're shining their yeah. like, gun flashlights and glow sticking through everybody. Um, I wasn't so sure about the zombie rules because I feel like they had a little bit of everything going on. You know, there definitely is a yeah. lot. There's like phases of all of them, right? So Chambers seemingly dies, and you're all like, "Man, that sucks." And then she comes, trying like. Tony jawing through a window like guns a blazing and it's awesome and then she dies anyways which it's kind of disappointing because <laughs> I mean it is playing with convention but also she has an awesome death she gets bit and she looks at she makes this look with Guzman and he's like how do bullets work <laughs> they blow shit up <laughs> so we get an amazing shot of the gas tank they're all carrying gas tank backpacks for the helicopter. For the, I, I know why. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, I'm just you're not saying, and people who are listening will be like, why the fuck yes. do they got gas? <laughs> everyone, is, everyone is in charge of the helicopter because they're in the Bly. They got to get there. So Chambers dies, and they are continuing to work on where they got to go. Tig needs to get, Peters needs to get up to the top of the building. That's where the helicopter is. Peters will work on that while the rest of them get to the vault. And, or sorry, so Vanderhoe and Dieter get to the vault and there's a bunch of traps and then we get a bunch of characters just kind of chilling and this is where I went you couldn't have had anything else for them to do yeah they're just chilling that was um, a I had a very similar comment and I don't know that I have a good answer other than I care less the more I watch it but I I agree that it feels very um, the editor Dodie Dorn was on uh, the rough cut pod, which the the one for Justice League and the one for this is phenomenal. About especially if you're a Zach fan and you get to hear the editors talk about kind of Zach's workflow, which is really fascinating the way he interacts with his team. Um, but um, they ask specifically about if there was like a a desire to keep it tight or to or to really give a instill a sense of a ticking clock, and she was like, no, not really. Um, which is interesting to me because you feel like okay so then don't just don't say you have an hour and a half then make it like right three like if you're not going to use it why say it but then you get back to that like well that also happens in like so many heist movies or or whatever movies where they're like you only have 30 minutes and the movie goes on for another hour um where so it's like are they playing with that or is it falling into the same trap mm-hmm. or is it or is it just, does it just not matter and i don't i don't know other than on rewatches, I'm more interested in the characters than I am in the ticking clock. Well, the the what's going on in this in the safe, like going to the safe room, is far more interesting. So I the the more I thought of it, I was like, well, that's where I wanted to be. So I'm kind of glad we didn't spend time with the five who were doing nothing. So meanwhile, they're get smarting the vault because that's what it wrote <laughs> i mean obviously there's some inspiration from other love films, that scene with the it, zombie it, and vanderhoe going up the elevator to get him and like everything <laughs> about that whole sequence was just like perfect 
Mike so microwaves the ham. They don't care about us. It's the heat and it's, stuff. It's that's it's the heat, it's, not the meat. It's very very. Like he's even got a little rhyme yeah. for it. <laughs> but in the meantime, this is where kind of things start rolling, which is Tanaka doesn't really give a shit about Tanaka the money. Tanaka doesn't give a shit about the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, he does not. I didn't realize it was a quote till yeah. I said it. And um, Martin needs the queen's head, which they get because she's monitoring her land. And in the slowest way possible, he cuts her head off. Yeah, like the old bone saw floss. or yeah. razor wire. Yeah. Like, you gotta have grip strength, for like, Popeye forearms to... <laughs> I imagine the razor wire is just easier to pack. That's probably why. Well, it's a garrot, right? Isn't that expressly designed for yeah, that purpose? Yeah, it's a garrot. Yeah. So, yes, that true. helps a little bit. I mean, I probably was just um, putting my own, putting myself in there. It's like, you're just, like, sitting there... It felt unnecessarily like, cruel. Like yeah, car doors are easier. We've all seen Daredevil. Like there's well, so is American Shields apparently. Um, <laughs> I did audio wise though it was quite cool because like she had her own style scream, mm-hmm. and it like gets cut off midway through the cut. I thought that was a neat, neat yes. thing. Even though it was gross, it was a neat thing. Yeah, he. You can have your own zombie army. This is what we're really here. They did for. a really good job with She's the blood like, spurts in this. Also, anytime someone had like a deep gash in the neck or whatever, it was it was excessive without being like overly. Like sometimes it's too real, and or, and then and too fake. But a lot of times here it was just like blood. Like <laughs> I don't know, it worked. Mm-hmm. I I should I would be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite kill of this entire movie which is in the opening credits when the person is on the turret and that person is just turned into jello yeah. <laughs> oh yeah standing yeah, yeah. on top of the car and all that's left is like ankles well, love and it. that was- anna de la guerra is on the 50 caliber machine gun wearing the white t-shirt yep. that says the future is female ejaculation on it <laughs> Yes, that's a fantastic yeah. moment. And I have to say, as somebody who doesn't necessarily enjoy gore, like there is, it's a fine line for me not to be put off by it. And I credit the film that it is just under that, like, like off-putting, at least for myself personally. And I, that may be due to, like, it's a zombie movie. And, like, the, the humans, when they're killed, it's not done gratuitously, which is quite favorable at least for myself so in the meantime we are given an actual like steven mentioned the time president's like uh not fourth of july we're doing it in an hour and a half because i bend to the will of the american people they kind of they kind of made it seem like it was trump without saying it was trump which i appreciated okay sean hannity was in this movie no not sean Sean hannity sean spicer sorry Sean Spicer. Sorry. And uh, a lot of people miss across from him is um, it was Sean Spicer and Donna Brazil who, mm-hmm. I don't know, it might be excessive to say she's like the flip side of him, but is a um, is a other party, um, ex- I don't, don't want to say extremist, but like it's, it's a very um, caricature of American politics that they put on there intentionally. Right. Um, that's like, because she's saying something that's a little bit hyperbolic, but then he's like, we test nukes all the time. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> it, it That to me was, I typically like when Zach plays with the Frank Miller Moreisms in mm-hmm. his movies, 
right? Like we're talking about BVS, the John Stewart moment in the Ultimate Edition, which I actually really enjoyed. But seeing Sean in it, I mean, this come this is coming from a Canadian, and I mean the perspective that we have up here on what what happened in the in the country you live in over the past four years is different than somebody who lived there. But it was like, oh yeah, he was a thing, I guess. <laughs> Like it, com- that moment completely pulled me out of the picture because how many people have had that guy's job in the Trump administration? Yeah. Like too many. Yeah, exactly. And there were some very different responses to him depending on how far down the line of Trump was a literal Nazi versus Trump was kind of a Nazi. <laughs> um, and and like the kind of a Nazi people are like, oh, it's just a harmless idiot. And then the people that are like, he's a literal Nazi are like, how dare you put a literal Nazi propagandist in your movie? Um, which I probably don't go that far. I, I think that he's enough of a caricature for it to be funny, but I I don't know. I don't want to get political, but I guess I can understand maybe why people are mad, but I don't... I'm, I think it's a bit much to be like mad that Sean Spicer has a cameo that makes himself look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did that in his professional yeah. life, so might as well do you know, it. In I'm, ju- I'm just a so Dancing here, with the Stars fan, and I, I was <laughs> happy to see him. Yeah. No, but I thought that the, um, the um, what was it? It's actually kind of patriotic, if you think about it, line that was like from the president, I thought was very funny, because I think as a lot of comedians have said about about tr- the Trump era is that people are like, Oh, is it so f- great for you as a comedian? Cause you've just got so much material now. And they're like, it's actually kind of a trap because like, you think that it's just like these low hanging fruit kind of easy, um, like Trump jokes, but then you just end up falling into this. Like it's, it's almost too easy. And so the fact that it was kind of a Trumpian thing to say, but they didn't go all the way with a voice or the hair or anything like that helps keep it, like a little bit timeless but also funny to be like okay no it's just a dumb president maybe it's this one maybe like, maybe bush bush could have said the same thing right um he probably yeah. <laughs> did <laughs> um yes so we have a ticking time clock in the meantime kate has been worried about the the family that did go in earlier they've gone missing we do see that they are in zeus's compound in olympia and now this is Dieter, can you get the can you get the safe? I need. I'm not going to do an accent. I need 30 minutes, and you just wasted my time with your big sausage fingers. And one of the things I would be critical of is I don't actually feel like there's ever any suspense with him opening the safe. Yeah, I mean, like we're given an hour and a half. He says, "I need 30." Okay, that's a lot of time. Like that's quick math. That's a third of the allotted time that you have. To do this but also thing. they kind of build up you know he sees the blueprint says that it's a beautiful safe it's a work of art and all, all it yeah. really takes is a, just a good ear to like and i what, what you're asking is did he slap <laughs> that ass or did he palm it right that's the real question when it well, comes to but once again right? then going back to the like what is what is zach doing with this the thing that actually my wife picked up on that i didn't um until uh, until she sh- showed it to me is that um yeah, you don't have, like, the... Snyder isn't interested in the... It's so cool watching him open the safe, but if you pay attention, you notice, oh, wait, look at how Dieter's putting his ear to the safe, and look at the symmetry with the shot of Zeus putting his ear to the queen's belly. Um, and you realize that there's a parallel of you get Van der Rohe's, like, Cam- Joseph Campbellian, like, you go into the void and you and you come, come out something new. Um, 
and you realize that like the safe and the womb have a a bit of a parallel going on and then um yes i was just about to get there with the zombie (laughs) baby there's a zombie baby so like (laughs) the science of zombies could be debated (laughs) is it is it dead so yeah. is it undead how does this work <laughs> they seem more like vampires to be honest the at least these alpha ones you know well they're teasing the alien origin so my assumption is kind of okay. that it's yes. something it's new and the original script was all like at least it was a much bigger part but was about producing these hybrids um uh, and so and what zach has described it as is that zeus is trying to find a way to propagate his people without violence um, and so once they can kind of get a zombie baby, then hypothetically, then they'd be able to get more zombie babies, which then means they can stop biting people to make them zombies. Um, it is a really <laughs> interesting thought that I do hope we get more of in the future. I just, I mean, once we get to the end of the movie, it'll be, I don't know how they're going to get there necessarily. So we're given the ticking time, cl- uh, the time bomb, the safe gets opened the Snyder Cut is not in there. Why doesn't but, it have to be in the vault anymore, guys? It's because the Snyder Cut came out, which is why it's not in the actual it, vault. And it also plays the um, Siegfried's Funeral March from Wagner's um, mm-hmm. uh, song, that, or the, his uh, like ring cycle that the safe is named after, which also is a, mm-hmm. is a reference to Ragnarok, which is death and renewal. Um, and then, of course, it's because it's Zach. What movie uses the uh, Siegfried's March as a um, as a like homage all the time? Basically, anytime anything happens with the sword Excalibur in the movie Excalibur by John Borman, and why does Excalibur is when they play that movie? So when he opens the safe, it plays like the same part of the song that it plays when they throw Excalibur back into the Lady of the Lakes hand. Um, I was waiting the entire movie for an Excalibur yeah. reference. There's literally an Excalibur and casino a- in Vegas. And it's like, why, Zach, is there no mm-hmm. Excalibur casino? <laughs> yeah, of course there is. We just needed a Jeffrey Dean Morgan cameo and the circle would be right. complete. And so the safe is open. They got all the money. And then it is in this moment that we realize Kate is dipped just after the zombies are coming by. Yeah, Why? She's looking for the family, and we need conflict. Oh no, sorry. Okay, Kate. Act. Right, right, right. I was mistaking that for Tig. <laughs> <laughs> and so Martin is like, "Now to I'm now I'm the villain of this story." He locks them in. In the meantime, Lily was like, "I'm going to put this money counter <laughs> in with the head." The head still should be making noise, but in the rule of TV sitcoms, if the thing that makes noise is off camera, <laughs> it stops making noise. Speaking of noise. <laughs> Off camera. Cat's crying. <laughs> and so this is where things kind of like shit hits the fan. All the zombies are coming down. And Zeus has a bulletproof Captain America mask. <laughs> He's a thinking man zombie. Uh, a, a bulletproof masked zombie is kind of a... I feel like... Um, who was it talking? Maybe it was on the the dave pinna's vodka stream or but um that feels like something that would happen at like the end of a level and like left for dead um if right, right, that right. where like yep. all of a sudden you like shoot at a zombie and you get like a ting and you're like oh no why why can't i headshot this guy yeah um it's it's very much like an mm-hmm. oh shit moment um which the amount of bullets they unload on this guy's mask not one of them can hit the yeah. eye hole <laughs> well <laughs> They're just aiming for it's the brain. And as we know, eyes 
are not in front of the brain. Still, um, one get, lucky get behind one lucky them, you know? hits it. Well, I mean, consider yeah. the fact that they're hitting anything at all in the first place is kind of a miracle. And yeah, he's but, moving yeah, fast. He's yeah. like a parkour zombie. Movie, uh, and movie gun scene, logic is always yeah. <laughs> a little flexible. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, it's like why why a superhero is never hit with a shot? because well, yeah. they're moving. Um, but this is probably, and this is not a negative, but this is probably one of the most conventional scenes in the movie where it's like, oh crap. The the boss is here. All the hordes are coming in, and they wait. But what wait. I like about it, the all the hordes are just taken care of like nothing. Wait, did we, like just did he skip like when his arrival is when he twists the neck of oh right when he's face? I did. I, oh, I did skip that. Yeah, yes, that sorry. was that part caught me off guard. What a twist is. <laughs> well, and and <laughs> Zach said that they considered. They almost had her after that happened reach her hands out for to like to reach out to Dave or to to Scott. Um but her but her but her head is but her head is the wrong way and so it's like Oh my god. It's like god. that it's like maybe too much dark oh. humor for like <laughs> to reach out. Like yeah. I need that as an outtake. Yeah. Like I'm hoping that I believe the ma- is the making of the thing that's only one episode and the film school is going I'm to be I'm not sure cuz they were using a lot of footage from it. But yeah, the making so of yeah, is I'm on sure, is on Netflix and then the and then film school is going to be four, yeah. So whatever one of those please have that cuz I need to see that. But yeah, that death is truly shocking because I'm like she's going to get bit. Like of course she's going to get bit. Like me just thinking conventionally. And so they're killing all the zombies and I ha- the Dieter moment for me this hit so well because, like, we all know the conventions when it comes to black actors in in horror movies. Like, typically, it's the first person killed in the horror movie. And, like, the fact that Dieter has made this bond with Vanderoe, dur- like, during the entire movie. And he's being attacked. And, well, and Dieter is the one that's new to s- action. And Vanderoe is the veteran. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of... Mm-hmm. And the, I, I like the big brother comparison you made because that adds to this moment also exactly mm-hmm. and like I, I haven't talked about it yet but i i just refer to him as junkie xl <laughs> i know he's got a name but i'm trained on junkie xl i know it's tom but junkie xl sounds really cool <laughs> but uh uh tom holkenborg score great as usual and particularly in this moment it really hit home for me and knowing what was coming later i have mentioned kingdom of the crystal skull not because i want to but because there's only so many frames of reference i have for vegas and nuclear bombs <laughs> and when vanderho or vanderro got thrown into the safe i went would he survive yeah i don't know i mean well we, if, I, I, if indiana jones can survive in a fridge know, in a, in a lead-lined fridge. So that moment, I thought, played really well. And at the same time, we had Lily use the table saw to cut through. They do get through. Martin gets taken down by Mama June. Not Mama June. That's a different show. Ger- Carol uh, Baskins, Tiger. Okay. Thank you, Carol Baskins. <laughs> I actually didn't watch Tiger King. So I'm like one of the few people who did not consume that. Uh, what I would consider nonsense <laughs> last year uh, gets taken down by her tiger and that scene is really gratifying and I have to say it's disgusting to see part of his Martin's face ripped off that was pretty gnarly 
And in a response, they're trying to survive. They get to the top. All we are left with is Kate and Scott. No, Scott is the only well, one who you, gets cause, out. Because right? Scott, Guzman, and Lily go up the elevator and out onto the casino floor. And that's where like all hell breaks yes. loose. And then Guzman has to pull the grenade yeah. pins. Yeah. Yeah, he goes full yeah. platoon. It's fantastic. It's this whole scene. Like, if if I needed to sell, like, not in a way where I would feel like I'm stereotyping what Zach does, but what he does better than anybody is this scene, which is just pure eye candy. But at the same time, it's like your hype level is so high because the stakes of what's going on, like the clock is running down in a way that is crazy but also like the use of slow motion how these people are killing is like being killed is just headshots this person is cheat codes in call of duty and well, it's just so fun to watch like them just destroy this atlantic city shot, hotel or, yeah uh, they casino. shot that the day that i was on set um and so we were in the casino area and they were like getting it set up and they're like, yeah, maybe you'll, you'll see us shoot this scene and it's the scene where they come out and look through the glass and he's like okay we're gonna run to the elevators um and then um, they said, and we're going to shoot a bigger action scene later, and they were getting set up for it and everything. And I was like, oh, awesome. It's got, probably going to be the big scene. And then eventually they came back over to the monitors, and we're like, oh, it's going to take a couple more hours of setting up, so you should probably just go back to the hotel, and, and we'll call it a day there. And I was like, ah, damn, oh, well, whatever. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, no! <laughs> like, seriously, if I just been like, <laughs> I would have sat there like doing nothing for like two more hours if I could have seen you shooting this, but... Because, yeah, it, it it's pretty goes spectacular. crazy. Guzman, Guzman is taken down. They get to the top. Lily and Scott Ward and Peters is there uh, trying to get the helicopter running. That's where Peters has been the whole time. It kind of worked out in terms of framing of the movie that there's that many scenes where Peters is by herself. Uh, again, not sure if they did cut anything, but I don't think it necessarily hurts Peters' story. She's the pilot. They are kind of... I did enjoy the scene. I didn't mention it because it's not necessary to the plot. But where Tig's like, all right, so like the hierarchy of people who need to get out alive, like obviously you're number one. Yeah, your kid's probably number two. But then like I'm number three, right? <laughs> Which is, that was really... And that's that's why you get Tig Nataro for this character. I thought, she, good. I thought she did great and it didn't, and didn't often feel like it was written for someone else. However, that was one of the few scenes where I'm like, I could see Chris Delia nailing that joke also. Not that I wanted to see him do it, but yeah. it's very much where you can f you can hear his voice in the writing. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. So they get to the top. Zeus is there. He's got a... Uh, 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 rebar spear. <laughs> rebar, thank you. I couldn't find the word. And then Lily's like, I got your, your, your baby mama's head. So and that, he goes I'll full blow it Spartan, off. probably I'll more off. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, <laughs> it started the movie. It ended the movie. There you go. Yeah. It's all about <laughs> symmetry. And um, she gets speared to it. And in terms of actual body physics, I will cut it a break because it's a zombie movie. But you get stabbed. Everything goes limp. That should have <laughs> just rolled onto the top of the building. But no, of course not. That's not dramatic. It gets dropped over the side of the top of the building and turned into mush. And it's as somebody who really enjoys Foley work, 
It was such a great sound. Like yeah. it's a great. Squish. I think yeah, on lots that, of watermelons. On that rough cut podcast, I was talking about the editors. Talk, I think they said that guy biting into fresh cucumber was used frequently. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, you need, I guess, that crunch sound, right? Like it's not as it's not as satisfying. Like you would think, like bite into deli meat, but like there's, there's no a movie, sound. A Burbian Sound Studio, I think it's called. Um, where it's about uh, like the Foley artist who does Foley for um, for uh, like slasher films, and it's just like a psychological thriller about him being like in the studio, freaking himself out with these noises he's making. <laughs> What's it's hilarious, like what they use to make stuff. Like I know historically, I think Indiana Jones's punches were a bat on a honeydew melon or a baseball glove. <laughs> like that's where they got the like sound from all the time so like i enjoy that kind of stuff it's entertaining so the head is killed which i guess means the the queen is perma dead like i that was one of the like i'm like if well no i just mean like if why does he need the head like i get it like it's she's your baby mama but if he put the head back on the body maybe why not like I he, I, I he did say they considered putting it on uh, Valentine. Um, oh, really? <laughs> but he said it didn't make sense. I don't know that I like that. Yeah. <laughs> As Ryan's had his cats, you've been playing with the curtains the entire recording. <laughs> Not ghosts, just that. Um, and so they get into the helicopter. They've got to get to where... Kate is she of course she's at Olympia and this is where we get the return of Burton Cummings as a zombie and that is the payoff that I think is deserved with how little screen time he was in the beginning because if we had a ton of Theo Rossi I would have thought like well I mean there's a level to how much of him you need and like we're underserved in the beginning but this is perfect this guy who's already been killed once, you're going to get it again. And that's awesome. And so this whole sequence is all is you're given nine minutes, but does it really matter? No, I mean, it's a give me if you tell me I have nine minutes to find somebody in a Vegas casino and you drop me off on a roof in a helicopter. No, <laughs> no not at all. But if we're going to if we're going to critique timing around this point in time. They left the top of a building on a helicopter to get to a second building. This zombie sprinted all the way downstairs, <laughs> got on a horse, rode the horse, and met them at this other place. He knows where they are, though. How? He Well, he knows where the humans are. He yeah, put them there. But he doesn't know that's where they're going when they first leave on the helicopter. Like, the time... No, I it, mean, <laughs> he knows where Kate is. Or where, where, the, where the, um, the family is. He knows where, where, they, is. where they are. Yes. Yeah, where Gita is. Thank you. So we get a, another confrontation with him. This part felt a little bit repetitive to me. Like, we've seen this. He's got a bulletproof mask. Like, and then we get a grenade gun. And that was cool. <laughs> I was kind of hoping we'd lose, like, an arm or something. Just to really show, like, he got blowed up. I know that's not how you say it. That's an incorrect way. But in an action movie like this, he got blowed up. And they they get to the top of the building. And we get... What I will refer to as a Back to the Future 2 moment, which is like, oh no, we're not going to go anywhere. And then the DeLorean shows up and Biff Tannen gets hit in the head with a DeLorean car door. That's maybe too uh, 
precise a reference, but that's the one that I felt during the movie. So let's move on because nobody laughed. Anyways, so Teague is back and said, you know what? I thought about leaving and then I developed a conf- uh, conscience, which is maybe the most Tignataro line in all of her work. And I thought that was really funny. But Zeus is back, and we have this climactic fight in the helicopter, which results in uh, Scott getting bit, Tig getting shot, and them barely surviving the nuclear explosion, which those mushroom bombs always look awesome. And as the helicopter crashes, we see a blade go through Tig. Tig's out. Peters is done. The Zeus was shot in the head and maybe the most large explosion in terms of body parts from a nine millimeter to the head like splits in half i'm not complaining because it looked awesome and then we like get the terminator in t2 mm-hmm. when it got like shot with a that's grenade a, launcher that is exactly what but that only his like. face yes. my brain did yeah. do a second of like <laughs> can that cut no no he's dead that's that's not gonna <laughs> that doesn't fix <laughs> Oh, I mean, who knows? There is a robot in the movie that I didn't mention. Like, somebody yeah. gets shot, and there is plating What was up underneath. with that? Well, like, people have... People get, like, metal plates in their head. Is that no. what that... But he had a no, glowy they, yeah, There, there are robot zombies. <laughs> yes, I saw that tweet earlier what? today. Apparently it's and confirmed. So, Dave Batista is dying. He takes the one stack of money that he got from the counting machine gives it to Kate. They have this great scene. Again, this is the kind of Dave Batista we need more of. I'm tired of him just yelling average jokes at us. Like, this quiet contemplating, this works for this guy. So I'm hoping we get more of that in the stuff that he's in. It's funny, because like, that's exactly and what Kate, he says. He's like, I, I want to do roles. What did he say about Marvel just has me say dumb shit? <laughs> I think it was the quote. But like... Which, which the funniest part about that is is he's throwing shade at one of his like maybe best yeah. friends like in the industry and I don't want to get into <laughs> Guardians 2 I don't think it's very good but anyways um, he is slow as he slowly turns Kate pulls the trigger and kills him and you might think that's where the movie is over but it's not we get the wreckage of Vegas and we see Vandero and he's got bags of money he crawls to crawls. He gets to some abandoned person's car and steals the it. The keys are in the visor, gets, as they always are. Yes, right? of yep. course. Why wouldn't they be? You know, I f- for a second thought maybe he lives there. Like we don't know where he is in the world when we meet him at the pool. But anyways, we meet. Uh, he gets to a airport, and <laughs> there is a or a helicopter park, and there is a jet there, and he wants to rent it. And she gives him like. Well, uh, nope, this is owned by somebody. And then he gives all the money. He gets on and he wants to Iron Man celebrate with some champagne. But he's feeling weird. Why is he feeling weird? He's been bit by a zombie. The end. Heading to Mexico City, I think they said so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Assuming if they're setting up for a sequel here, it's going international. Like, perhaps the world will have been zombie infested come come uh army of dead too yeah i can't put a wall around mexico city yeah exactly do we <laughs> i'm assuming uh, so like getting it out of the way and then maybe we can kind of wrap up our spoiler thoughts after my long plot but this movie's so much fun i'm assuming we're all on board for more yes i uh, am yeah yeah i mean yeah I, i'll definitely watch yeah for sure 
like despite the like any you flaws i may have you guys talk i just yeah. talk for 45 despite any minutes. flaws like <laughs> uh, you know th- he does a great job of like building this world and i'm a sucker for zombie movies he clearly has ideas and and wants to like you know put you know inject some more energy into that genre um i would love to see what else they have planned for for sequels or whatever they they do uh, yeah, it's the sequel things we're getting or the spinoffs or the world building. I'm totally on board for. I do want to watch a sequel. It sounds like the ideas are there. They just have to get the green light. But apparently alien robot zombies are <laughs> part of it somehow. Those They're pretty much confirmed or are confirmed. So we know, we know the direction it's going. It's going to get weird. We got zombie by the cranberries at the end, which <laughs> I, I feel like is partly a critique by people but i feel like if it wasn't in there that would also be a critique (laughs) (laughs) so like they had to do it and i'm thankful they did i am again i said this when the trailer came out and i said they better include this and they didn't at the end just give me down with the sickness again that's how you end a zombie at the end of the credits just ooh like like, 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 (laughs) yeah like like a bruce campbell evil dead thing yeah, just a one little thing at the end. That's all I need. There's no shotgun in this movie. Interesting. That's a good point. Of all the shotgun. zombie troops. That's a good point, I, yeah. I think um, one thing that's really interesting about the movie is how it's been a while since we've gotten a franchise starter that doesn't feel like a upfront lore dump. Um, which was fascinating having been... So on the set, the first thing they did was the, um, the producer, Wes Collar, who's like a part owner of their production studio, and um, and Zach's wife, Deborah, um, is also a producer, took us and showed us art and gave us like the whole zombie backstory, like the zombie war backstory and where this team came from and everything. Um, and what was fascinating then watching the movie was that most of what we learned about like the lore and the history and everything on set is either vaguely referenced in the opening credits or going to be a story that is told in the animated prequel series. Um, So they talked about the Area 51 and Robot Zombie, or they didn't talk about Robot Zombies yet, they didn't come until later, but all the like alien stuff they were teasing and everything. And so before seeing it, I always thought that was going to be a way more like central part of the plot. But ultimately, I can see someone who goes into this movie completely blind watching it and not having any idea that there's robot zombies or aliens involved um which i think is a a, kind of a pro more than a con almost in that the movie works as just what it is um it's not this dark universe thing where they spend more time developing a jekyll and hyde that doesn't matter for this movie because they want them for another movie you know there's no characters in this where it's like a plant for a future movie but not resolved here like i don't think there's anything maybe outside of a couple like offhand references but there's no um i'm trying to think of what franchises we saw this with definitely dark universe um um which is the most successful and why it jumps to mind first of course yeah, amazing yeah Spider-Man exactly amazing spider-man two, or even amazing cast photo amazing spider-man one is an example of that even <laughs> you say the x-men cast no photo, the, i said the dark universe had the best cast photo yeah um, yeah, but yeah, where you watch, and that was the criticism for a long time is that you watch these movies and like the first installment is like 
all this lore that you really don't need to know for that movie. And so I'm really impressed knowing they know the lore, but they were restrained enough. Yes, I'm saying this is a restrained. Snyder restrained himself <laughs> here, at least in the in the explanation of the lore, um, to not put it all in. There's all sorts of stuff that they, that could have been in here about what happened and backstory that would have tied into other stuff that if you know, like the Area 51 stuff, for example, is basically just an Easter egg. But once you know the backstory and then you watch this again, you'll be like, oh, there's the connection. It's like Iron Man 1, except I think that there wasn't nearly as much of an MCU plan for at when Iron Man 1 was made then grew out of it. I think that was way more organic. So it's impressive that they, they have that plan, but didn't indulge in it uh, too much. And that's exciting to know that the movie comes first, but also exciting to know that the material for the universe is also there. So it's, it's like, to me, it's a, it's a win-win in the way that they, they structured it. When well, as a fan of like the movies he's made, and I, I would assume Steven, you can attest to this, like, the likelihood that this plan will be completed is significantly higher than the exactly. Last well, the fact that Netflix is like, I mean, he's he's Mister Worldwide right now, like, which is which is crazy, and I, I'm sure maybe some people are sick of it. But after it's been so frustrating seeing, and this isn't even movie related, but one of the biggest problems with Snyder was that he would explain stuff about his movies or his intent or whatever. And it would always be like, the only thing people would read would be like the out of context snippet that somebody took to make him look dumb or whatever. That would end up being the thing that circulates. Like they, they'd what would circulate is like him saying, um, people are mad that Batman kills. Well, wake the fuck up. And like that circulates and everybody's like, that's tone deaf or whatever. When like, if you hear the whole paragraph, he explains why like the notion of a hero failing his moral center is like a thematic is a resonant story idea. Um, and so it's fascinating now to see for this where Warner brothers always like kept him in the background. Netflix is like putting him out in front and he's the, the coverage and FaceTime that he's getting, and also his personality. I think people thought that he was way more of like a like dark edge lord, like oh, everything's just gonna be dark and violent or whatever. But seeing how like funny he is, I think has really opened up people to examine, oh, maybe maybe that is supposed to be ironic, or maybe he is playing with a trope as opposed to being more cynical about like, oh, that's dumb because he's too dumb like like for example, the cranberries criticism of Snyder is so dumb that he would put the movie in solely because of the title. Whereas you look at the quote from Snyder and he says, oh no, it's a political song and the movie has political undertones and zombies inherently are a metaphor. So I put a song that is a metaphor about zombies in here, both because it's on the nose, but because it has a commentary. Um, it's like hallelujah. Exactly. And it's, and it, but, but the fact that like Warner Brothers never put him on that kind of a stage and Netflix is like, nope, it's, it, we got a documentary, we've got a, we got a film school series, we've got... You know, we're we're tweeting about the Snyder cut from the Netflix account. It's just so cool to be like, oh, they're actually like letting the artist be like, no, this is what he's doing, as opposed to like hiding him and saying we're we're making an MCU clone while he's making something that's not an MCU clone. It's like, no, let him tell you what it is. Which is probably the best way to go with Snyder. Yeah, it's if at anything at this point, guy put out a four-hour movie. <laughs> he's anything but indulgent. It's probably not fair to say. But I think with that, we've talked for over three hours at this point. <laughs> we could probably probably take this one to the closing remarks on this. And I think we'll take it to the Rickman scale now, which means we're all going to give our ratings of Army of the Dead. You can do zero for low. You can do 10 for high. You can do 0.5s. At the end, we'll take each of our individual scores, average it out, and let you know 
how many golden Rickmans Army of the Dead is going to get? Sam, we're looking for you first. Um, I'm happy that Snyder's kind of moved on from DC stuff. I'm glad to see he's investing his time into a new universe, uh, as you will. So, um, but with the premise, there was a little bit of disappointment in the execution. But needless to say, there's still lots of fun to be had. So I'm going six out of ten. Oh, six out of ten. All right. Uh, Steven, your first official entry on the Rickman scale. We also didn't prep you and tell you this was going to happen, which I forgot about. I know Rob hated it when we told him he had to give a (laughs) number. Yeah, exactly. Well, and as uh, Kyle said earlier, I I say all the time on on my Snyder Minute um, shows that I think that whether a movie is good or bad is like one of the most boring conversations you can have about it. And so... I say that partially because I hate <laughs> I hate having to give numbers things. Um, just I'm, I'm bad at it because like I like if you heard me talk about Sucker Punch, I would you know I, I don't I couldn't apply a number to that because it doesn't represent how I feel about it. Um, That's a seven. So, <laughs> um, I don't know, like a like an eight maybe. Okay. Kyle, are you gonna? I was honestly just banking on Steven being like absentee. Oh, if <laughs> if I knew that was an option, I would have. But I got the impression I was going <laughs> to screw up the whole Rickman thing. <laughs> no, it's fine. Rob gave a number on a movie he didn't f- review with us because they weren't sure when their son was going to be born. So he was like, "I can't do it." Six, and then we just applied it at the end with no context to the act for how we felt about the movie. I'm I'm in the same sort of park as steven which is like there's so much about the movie i loved and then there are aspects where like i can be critical but at the same time like this was the 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 movie for me that zach made that would i would argue is almost the most fun on the surface of it where there is that zach depth that can be um discussed and deconstructed and discussed for a very long time we spoke i mean this episode as as of right now we're at three hours i there's a lot of this that's just kind of us rambling in between our segments and i was holding back and, <laughs> and steven is going to do an entire series dedicated to this so like i really appreciated that like i watched this on the surface level and had a great time with it and that i know i can go back because there is stuff that i did i know i missed so with that i'm going to give it a seven and a half seven and a half all right and looking to me i definitely enjoyed this i definitely do have to re-watch this which i feel like is a key element to this one is going back revisiting this which i'm excited to do but currently where i'm sitting i'm gonna give it a six and a half out of ten it was enjoyable it was definitely more than a pass i did like it more than sam did but i thought my score was gonna be higher than his (laughs) (laughs) apparently we're playing in the same park uh, and with that, on average, 7 out of 10 on the old Golden Rickmans. So there you go. An old 7 out of 10 for Army of the Dead. That's a pretty good score. That's a pretty Not good bad. score coming out the gate. That's yeah. it, pretty uh, even with its um, Rotten Tomatoes. So The worst <laughs> review site of all time. All reviews are bad. And there you go. <laughs> well, I think I'm I'm going to quote uh, he's, he hasn't been on the show, but I, I liked what something Ben said a long time ago, which was find the critic who has similar taste in you. And just if they like the movie and you 
you've liked things that they've liked, then you're good. It's not movies, but I went to a tech conference once and they had a whole, uh, this was like a while back when like wearables were first starting to be big and they had a, a um, medical technology guy there who was talking about wearables and implants and all sorts of things. Um, and it, like etched into my brain, um, he had the, I think he's Romanian or something. He had this thick accent, and he said, um, "We take part in a study of averages, which we then refer to as medicine. Um, meaning like everybody like goes to the doctor like once twice a year, and they take like a snapshot of like how they feel that day, and then throw it all a pot mixed together, and then say you're supposed to feel like the average of all of these snap arbitrary snapshots." Um, and totally different context, but I feel very much that way about like Rotten Tomatoes, where it's like it's not arbitrary, but also it's not useful. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're just taking glimpses of little parts and how people feel that day <laughs> and at that moment of what they're doing. It's not, yeah, a thing as a whole. So it definitely is a little bit, it's a little bit self indulgent at that point. But besides that, we're at least saying 7 out of 10, so if you guys like us or you enjoy any of our reviews, well, there's something for you guys to latch on to and hold to. But with that, we can start wrapping up this episode. Thank you guys for stopping by, giving it a listen. Thank you to Steven for guesting on this one and jumping in on a whole lot of conversation. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me and being patient with my uh, my every answer is like, even this one is like, well, let me tell you first about how I was born, and then I'll tell you why that matters to this movie. <laughs> you need context. Yeah. You need context, or you can exactly. take a note. And if if you guys want to, again, listen to anything Steven's a part of, we got BVS, we got Justice League, we got Army of the Dead by the Minute, all podcasts that he's part of. You can uh, check him out on Twitter, SM Colbert. That's C-O-L-B-E-R-T. Yep. And is there anything else you'd like to plug? Screen yeah, right at Screen Rant. Um, you can find all the, um, the Snyder Minute stuff at SnyderMinute.com. Um, we're getting it all ag aggregated there. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's probably the most exciting stuff going on. I'll be writing more about Army of the Dead soon, so just keep an eye out on my... My Twitter is a good place to find all that. There you go. So if you enjoyed lots of Army of the Dead talk, there's even more good <laughs> stuff to come. You can check out more successful and better podcasts than this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we will catch you guys next week while we are talking about Cruella. And apparently it's getting good reviews, <laughs> which we've been hating on that one quite a bit. So we get to eat our words next week, hopefully. Uh, it'd be nice to watch a good movie. Not that Army of the Dead or anything wasn't, but a surprise good movie at that. And... Check us out on Twitter, the Quest Beyond Podcast. That's the that's the only one I got to still learn. Uh, we're going to be on Twitch in the coming weeks, which if you want to look or give a follow to the Quest Beyond on Twitch, we will definitely appreciate the support. We'll be jumping in soon to do these live recordings for you guys. And on that note, the Quest has been good, but we've taken it beyond. <laughs>